I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk More Movies, show where we try and talk about movies, but now we talk about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is... Ken Cole. To my right... Calm here. He is not eating a tiger. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> That's not, not the best gift you've got in a long time. Why? It's pretty. <laughs> sad. I, I hate that. C- like, considering it was his birthday recently. <laughs> when was it his birthday? That was fucking. That was weeks ago, motherfucker. Aye, but it was like fucking six weeks ago. Aye, but recently in the sense of a fucking year. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't really make any sense. Well, I, mean, I got him something for his birthday too. I made him a fucking macaroni and cheese and a semi Fredo that doesn't quite set. Aye, but it still grabs me. <laughs> still grabs me. Aye, but the fact <laughs> you're saying to him is that not the best gift you've had in a while? And it was his birthday not that long ago. I know why. A free tiger never fucking saw to be shunned upon. Fucking it. <laughs> I'm not slagging it I was actually considering I had some spare hummus in the house and I was going to bring it uh, in. We could you just, shouldn't have considered. You should just We, we could have just fucking, we could have split it during a podcast. You know how to be a cultured podcast? And maybe on hummus should have brought that shit. Oh, fuck. I, I don't like hummus. What? Yeah. Not even caramelized onion or red pepper hummus? Or just in general? Right, what way are you using hummus? Because hummus is a thing. You seem to be replacing it for dip. No, hummus is a thing, <laughs> yeah. but there's a red pepper hummus. There's a car- there's the, the, hummus doesn't just come in one flavour, young cultured swine. No, but hummus is hummus. I know, but there's different flavourings of hummus. I, I'm saying it. I don't like hummus. All right, well, do you mean in general or the separate flavours? I've, I've only tried hummus. Well, you, you can't really say you don't like it then, do you? Well, I can because it's hummus. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, touch the nerve of Michael there. <laughs> you're, you're, you're questioning the fucking thing. Like, it's... <laughs> You say, oh, you, but you, so like, have you know. tried this hummus or you tried this hummus? Like, I don't like hummus. Michael, you're going, so why, you're going so very why, red. So why would I try other hummuses or hummus flavors. high? It's like different flavors. That's like it, does if, it still taste like hummus? If your first ever pack of crisps or a pack of something when I got crisps, you just say, oh, I don't like crisps in general. I'm not going to try anything else. Does it still taste like hummus? No, no, really. It tastes different. It tastes a different flavor because so it's a different flavor. Hummus? All right, Mike. <laughs> All right, Mike. Right, Bring it back. Come turn, on. Turn the engine off. I don't like hummus. <laughs> right? <laughs> Reset under the exact same conversation. Always has to have the last word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't know what well, what was it that he like? Red what? sauce? He doesn't like red sauce? No, hummus right. No, you don't like mayonnaise either. Don't like mayonnaise. It's like another fucking fuck weird thing about we? him. I love red sauce. I'll eat buckets of red sauce. because it's, it's fucking really bad for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not like mayonnaise is great for you either. Like, I I it's probably, it's probably not as bad. Is hummus, hummus not supposed to be good for you? No, hummus I is doubt it very much. Hummus is really good. It's just chickpeas, oil... Garlic and lemon juice. The of fat's not there. Must be off no, the no really? fat's at all in it. Fucking right. It's like, just I well, well, on the hummus you're using every day. Olive oil and it's healthy oil, and not bollocks. Oh, 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 all oils kind of fatty. If you're doing bad, and it's tahini and oil. 
Everything else is fucking showing. Rapeseed oil is great for low and saturated fats anyway. So, let's all oil, like a teaspoon of oil in any kind of oil is I all the same calories. On. Wagon, like. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying they're, that feed. they're all the same <laughs> calorically, but like they have different benefits. Strong word, Mickey. Thanks. Strong <laughs> word. <laughs> Took me a while to get there. But there. Yeah. Aye, well, it's good fat, though. Aye, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. You have good oils and bad it's oils. It's like an avocado. A what? An avocado. <laughs> <laughs> Still call them in Australia. An avigado? <laughs> <laughs> Could have a bagel and some smashed avigados? <laughs> or is that New Zealand? I don't know. Danger bottle. By the way, it's Halloween next week. Are we going to do some sort of themed Halloween thing? <sighs> are we just going to... We've done that before. Are we going to sack that? <laughs> Friday... Next Friday's the year anniversary of the phone club. What? Is it, mm. it was October that we showed Joe's? Yeah. I did. I always thought it was November. So did I. But then we had to sort the licenses out, and then we came back strong yeah, a few that weeks doesn't, after. That doesn't, that doesn't feel right that we showed Jaws three days before Halloween last year. I always thought, I don't know, maybe it's, it's obviously right, like, but Bro- that just Brogan's weird. got schnapps. He's got schnapps in the Pictorial evidence. Fuck yeah. me. I, was, I just assumed it was November. Anyway. It doesn't matter. We're not going to do a Halloween episode, fair enough. But we can. No, we, we should, probably will. We'll we should talk about we'll horror films or theme it in some way next week. Yeah. Probably, probably a conversation not to have on air. <laughs> <laughs> it should probably be a production meeting yeah. during an actual episode. <laughs> Just anyway. Sorry. The lashings of fucking preparation to go on these episodes. <laughs> so anytime we talk to each other, now you're just all in pocket. <laughs> <laughs> just silence all the Okay. Danger bottle! Every yeah. week we get bottles of booze, hooch, and liquor. Because it's three different things this week. That's oh, what's it? It's back to the miniatures that I got on Holly Bobs. I like them. I, I like this. Are you choosing them, or, or is it still no. lucky? Hey, lucky dip. Lucky dip. Lucky dip. I haven't got one yet lucky that I've dick. liked. Well, not that I've liked, that I've wanted. I've always wanted a wee fruity one. <laughs> and, uh, All these years. <laughs> <laughs> but so far, I've only got that hard liquor. I don't like want that hard liquor. I want some nice and sweet. So pleasing the hard to my palate. And the fruity ones are usually the same. Like so the same bottles, maybe. Do you want liquor, hooch, or booze? I'd say I want more booze. And like, I'm kind of sick of liquor, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, I've been getting liquor all day. I've been getting like whiskey and fucking bourbon the past two weeks. Okay, who wants to dip first? Can I dip first? Because I went last last week. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> there's still yeah. loads in there, too. I know, there's. Wait, math. 14 left. So that means you had 20 all together then? Yeah. Oh, see that? I can add 14 all the six. Right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, no, I, no locking. I can't see no him. No oh, I can't even get my fucking hand in there, Mickey. <laughs> uh, you're trying to cheat. You're trying to, you're trying to look on, like. Oh, no, I know the feeling that one. That feels licorice to me. Oh, fuck. This one's got a bit of rubber on it. Oh. I've seen this one. Ooh, do you have a surprise for me? What the fuck's this here? Ah, for fuck's sake. It's a- I got sangria last week. Can I switch this? Nope. Ah, come on. I had it last <laughs> week. I want something different. That's fruity. You want this on fruity? I want something. I want to try something different. Come on. No. Me- it's the whole point of it. I got the same thing you last week. You can swap. That was Maybe a nobody's going to swap. That was a practice, no? Come on. I got the same thing last week. Let me swap it. There's fucking 13 hours If we don't have rules in life, we're savages, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> this is a nom. <laughs> this is a nom. Ah, let, let's just look past the rules right, this one time. Right, right, I'll give everyone one mulligan. Okay. If, but is what the this, fuck's a mulligan? It's uh, just a do-over, basically. Okay. It's a golf 
phrase. Aye, but you're not allowed to use. You only allowed to use it once. Aye, out of the, out of the whole the whole time of this bag. That's fine. I can only see myself doing this once. One thing I will say. <laughs> one thing I will I say about this. I love Chan's fucking forward thinking. Aye, I definitely want to use it this one time. Um, <laughs> you only do it the last two times. So <laughs> <laughs> one thing. I, one thing I will say though about this. The evidence isn't in your favour. Like, <laughs> <laughs> seems to be tough on a certain way. <laughs> Uh, one thing I will say though is that this bottle's got a very fetching hat. You like a wee sombrero it's got? Yeah, that's why I bought it. Very nice, isn't it? Anyway, can I switch this now or what? Well, what do you reckon? Will we put that back or just leave it out? No, put, no, it, put back. it back. Put it back in. No, but it's very distinctive. We well, can take his wee hat off. <laughs> no. Take his wee hat off. No, I'd say leave that one in because we're, we're odd numbers anyway. We're 20. Okay. Right, okay, fair enough. So, right, well, yeah, he can, can sit in the middle like a wee mascot. I can, I can, I, it's actually a really nice hat. It's a really nice hat. I'm very fond of this wee bottle. The two sangrias don't, you know, they're still there. Last week's one. Right. I don't really like sangria that much. Well, two weeks ago, because last week we had the, yeah, the, the, yeah. the potin. The yeah. potin. All right, so I get the pack again. Okay, what do you see? Fuck, we see I get sangria again or something. Do you know if there's other sangrias on here? No, that's the last two sangrias. That doesn't feel promising. Oh! Just nah, pack one. Nah. See, you rummage around and try I and feel for it. I rummager. You just need you got the a with it? lucky dip. I've got... Oh yes, got pina colada, baby. It's always over. I don't like pina coladas. I don't like it either, but it's just it's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> okay, would I prefer to be mojito? I think there's a mojito in there. What's that song? Getting caught like, in the rain. Like pina colada. Square bottle that usually means aniseed, or does it? I don't know. Your last one was aniseed. It was a square. I don't really like aniseed that much. Oh, I don't think any of this is going to be stuff we like. Really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, what's that? It's very pink. Strawberry. Looks like a milkshake. Uh, actually, for for health reasons, I have to. Uh, artificial strawberries give me debilitating migraines. Do you want to swap it for a pina colada? I'll take the strawberry. Go ahead. Yes, I'll have the strawberry. Thank you very much. Mm. So I've got... Phrases. That's my kryptonite. If you ever want to take me down, feed me some artificial strawberries. <laughs> Were you about to use your mulligan there? <laughs> yep, but uh, I've saved you from I'll that. I'll bring a doctor's note next week. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you get it back if you fucking. I actually, I feel, the, when did you find this? Because I feel kind of bad for you. Because one of the finest sweets when you were away was those fucking artificial strawberry chews. Remember them? Ah, uh, yeah. They yeah. were amazing. Could you not eat them? It's. I, I don't know what it is. it's usually artificial strawberries. Look like a. Uh, a juice box a juice box strawberry like a suki specifically strawberries usually fuck me but then for example do, do you know like the, the the jelly or the jam flavour in, in uh, or the marmalade or whatever in Jaffa Cakes yeah certain types of that you know if you're using it for uh, a cake filling or something mm. like if, if there's like if it's all natural it's fine but if there's something artificial in it they enhance the flavour it's usually that which gives me a big fucking yeah. dirty migraine. Right it's obviously, well, it's like artificial fruit, but maybe it's just a certain thing that goes on the old sorts of foods. Like, a, what do you call um, it again? An M number? E number. E number. An M number. <laughs> An E number. I, so maybe you're allergic to a certain E number. give you a headache? <laughs> no, Smarties don't do something. Smarties should they drive me fucking well, sick. I think they got rid of all the E numbers. Shit. I was the only thing I wasn't allowed as it went. Well, obviously, I wasn't allowed like heroin or cocaine, but like it was the only thing that was relevant in my existence that I wasn't allowed. I was barred from Smarties. Because the E numbers? No, not the E numbers. Apparently, they just sent me a butt over the edge and my man couldn't handle me. My danger bottle is Flugel. Flugel? Flugel. And what is it? Oh, I have my fingers in that one. I know by the look of the bottle. Let My fingers all over that. It says on the back, let the duck out. Because <laughs> there's a quite entertaining duck on the front of this. Let I think this out. might be, like, 
an energy drink kind of thing. Like instead of alcohol, is that, like that's vodka and energy. Is that not like they're that's illegal? <laughs> they're, they're not like deadly. I know you can like mix Red Bull and vodka yourself because you've got you know freedom of choice. Specific. But I don't think because you, <laughs> you know you're a person. <laughs> you're a person. <laughs> but I don't think that you can actually put them together. Like you know what Aye. I mean? Because okay. I know right now because you used to get what, like Spain, gin and baby. tonic cans, and you would still get them. And then what's the other one? You can get the yeah. It was just vodka and Red Bull. Was I don't know if they done them in the same can, but right. I mean I know there's a whole big thing about that because. The Red Bull speeds up your heart and the fucking vodka slows it down, so it's about fucked. Mm. Right, can I try my fraises? It's actually called Samberry, but it's definitely strawberry. Samberry. It's, it's strawberry liqueur, but look, it's 16%, which isn't so bad. Pina colada. Right, I'm going to have a go with this. I'm Googling this to see what it is. <laughs> I'm going to have a sip of my fraises here. Mmm. Fresno. That's oh, fucking delight. Oh, no, what they're actually. It's not really. Fresno, bub. Fresno Bob. Who the fuck's Fresno Bob? Again? It's out of fucking Escape from New York. Oh, fuck you just you hear him mention. You see when you're not Fresno Bob. It's a class name. I've brought that up about fucking five times uh, this podcast. Uh, I've even said they might in private conversation if the day comes that I ever have a wine, I'm very tempted to call him Fresno Bob. <laughs> Fresno, Fresno Bob. Bob. Uh, or like Bob. Fresnarelli, like Fonzarelli, <laughs> and then you're all you can say about four. You start calling him Fresno Bob. <laughs> you kind of slip on that camera. Hi, <laughs> when he's been about for a while, when he's about four or five, but they go to primary school. The teacher comes on, they watch out when he's name ah, Fresno Bob. You know, <laughs> Aye, Fresno Bob, you got a problem? <laughs> <laughs> you don't even wait for that. Sorry, Fresno, you got a problem? <laughs> no. <laughs> Starting to talk about his backstory, and all he's about four. <laughs> See if anybody called fucking Snake comes near him. <laughs> Put him in a class. I'll bust out that class themselves, yeah. in fairness. I've given him a butterfly knife in his lunchbox. <laughs> so we roll a sand takes. I'm beside the cheese strings. I've given him an Aussie 9mm. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure I'll sort out fucking Snake Plaskin. Right. <laughs> I'm on the Flugel website. And the first thing that comes up, once again, let the duck out. Yeah, they seem to be really fun. <laughs> Seems to be their big thing, though. But then this, this is the first kind of thing writing they have on the website. The buzz, the ingredients, the unlimited pleasure, and the ultimate experience all make Flugel more than just a drink. Flugel is a unique ritual. Flugel is fun. <laughs> Still How? not explaining what it is. How? Question mark. It is very simple, actually. <laughs> where, where, where there is a party, there is Flugel. And the other way around. <laughs> what the fuck? This is the most coded description I've ever heard in my life. If, Some me Asperger's fucking red dead. If, if one person starts drinking Flugel, they all, they always join by more That's people. <laughs> this is bottle cocaine. You know what? I'm going to say, right? I, I'm now starting to think that Flugel's a front for a cult or something like it. <laughs> well, the ritual is not something <laughs> you do on your own. You Good do gosh, it with yeah. everyone. You are a Flugel and not... You can get a flugel and knock on the bar or table. On you unscrew the cap and put it on the tip of your nose. <laughs> Are you sure you just haven't went on the Spanish website but really bad translation? Then you put the bottle in your mouth without using your hands. Knock it back like and enjoy the party. That sounds like the. It still hasn't told me what's fucking. It, <laughs> That's the point. You're not supposed to know. Here. What do you see? This is like fucking Jim Jones Kool Aid. If you drink this, you're going to become suggestible to this cult. What's Jim Jones? 
You think Jonestown? I'm not going to go on that. <laughs> just, <laughs> okay. on very, just, the, just that part of history I'm very interested in, but I'm not going to bring down our Friday Night Bulls by chatting about it. Yeah, I'm about to drink something fucking weird here. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's still... it's uh, Right, product information. Since its introduction in 1996, it has been a long party with Flugel. It first took off in the something bars. They seem to be then, scared in every question. And then found its way to party goers and discotheques, <laughs> clubs and festivals, as well as a real market leader. Flugel is rapidly conquering the whole of Europe. It sounds like this website was made in like the 70s or something. It just keeps saying it's a party starter. <laughs> <laughs> like Aaron said, quite possibly bottle cocaine. Maybe this yeah. is how all the fucking... Or legal absence or something. <laughs> Maybe that's how all the fucking narcos are getting that across the lanes now. Yeah. <laughs> Just whacking on the balls of Flugel. Yeah. Right, here, product, product information. Par- right, party drink with red vodka. What the fuck is party drink? <laughs> party drink. <laughs> party drink. It's definitely red, though. Yeah, Aye, probably. So. Aye, but yeah, maybe it's actually that, red, too. Which maybe is that's their way of skirting around it. You it's, know, that whole thing about it being illegal to do that. But certainly they'd be found out. It's the ultimate socializer. Ooh. It's... Mm, the ultimate socializer, which right, also right. sounds again like okay. <laughs> <laughs> You never drink flugel on your own once again. The ultimate socializer. It's probably just a fucking ground up paracetamol. Small shot, big potty. I'm kind of terrified of this thing. It's vodka and kill Pollock. Okay, let's do this thing. Get Lindy, baby. Oh, how was your pina colada? Delish, man. Was it? Yeah, it was like a... Like a like a pineapple aid, vitamin aid, pineapple, nice pineapple oh, style. What's your what's your alcohols? Uh, mine's sixteen percent. I'm sixteen as well. I'm ten. Oh, uh, it's a tie. Uh, no, the strawberry fraises, the strawberry liqueur thing. It was nice. I mean, like it's obviously just really strawberry. It kind of tastes like a strawberry cheesecake when you drink it. But then there's a kind of weird butter aftertaste, which maybe ain't the most pleasing, but it's still good. Mm. So your thoughts on flugel? It just tastes like sweeties. Not so bad. Yeah. What are you saying? <laughs> I said about 10 minutes, you're going to be chewing the jaws yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like fucking... No, the dealer's not going to give a ring. <laughs> quadruple, quadruple distilled fucking caster sugar. <laughs> there you go. Let the party commence. <laughs> you put the cap in your nose now. Nah, fuck Not put the ball in your mouth, man, no. <laughs> Have you learned nothing from the website? <laughs> That website's fucking weird, man. Did it look? I mean, I couldn't see the website. You were only reading it out, but it seemed like it would look really shitty and probably put together, was it? Yeah, well, it looked all right. Like, it it was a mobile version. It wasn't... No no way you get those websites that don't have mobile versions and they come up really shit on your phone. Yeah. This at least had a... A mobile layout. It, it seemed like it would have been one of the worst selection of a GoDaddy. You know what I mean? It seemed like a sort of GoDaddy site. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it looked alright. Just terrifying information. Anyway, we've all enjoyed our uh, Danger Balls. Very nice, very nice. Very nice, very nice. Shall we move on? Shall we move on? Ah, thanks. Aww. Even though I'm dumb. <laughs> I was going to ask well, Mickey, you seem very uh, upbeat tonight. Really? Were you, dr- you drinking consistently? Consistently? Consistently before we but got were here? Were you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> No, I'm just a happy-go-lucky scamp. No, you're not. Are you getting yeah, some? Really no, you're not. I'm really not. Yeah, that's why I asked the question originally. No, I think it was Mike, just... Mickey was getting some before we fucking arrived, like. No, she was making cupcakes. Um, <laughs> sweet, sweet fucking garlic pasta, which I no, smelled when I came on this. Rang, I'm it's like just pasta. Came out, we did it eight and mix it all. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only joking. I was, just, I was having four, it's not a shit. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just punching a serious loaf, just... <laughs> 
Um, no, I think it's just I've been so hateful and angry all day that I've nothing else to give, so now all the goodness is coming. What happened, Bamboo? Why was no, your day bad? No, just standard Friday. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not a standard Friday. That's the complete opposite for most people. It is for me. <laughs> for fuck's sake, love. I know, I put on a bit of Taylor Swift then, it's fine. Um, <laughs> what have we watched this week, folks? Would you like to go first, Mr. Heron? Don't mind. Go on. Um, I watched uh, The Beat That My Heart Skipped. Oh. Anybody ever see that? No. French film by Yakis O'Dayard. Yakis. Yakis. Oh. What the fuck's going on there? It's a trailer for the Thomas Hayden Church film, isn't it? Yeah, it's a TV show. A TV show, right? Called Go on. Divorce. Oh, that's from your woman who done Catastrophe and Copeland on the... Yes. Sharon Horgan. Nice one. We got there in the end. We... Sarah Jessica Parker. Call him her and continue. Oh, well, I... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, Sean. Uh, beat him her skipped. It's... Uh, look, I, th- I think what they tried to do in, in America was bullet like this sort of Martin Scorsese, like even on the fucking... Uh, the, the taglines in the poster was like a raging gangster film. You're all come on. That's about fucking on the nose there, like. And then like the fr- in the front, he has like a leather jacket and stuff and all, and it's he, he's alone in the shot in the front and stuff. But um, it is as raw as like an early Scorsese, like Mean Streets or something like that. There, and uh, it's it's about a dude who works on the kind of fringes of the property trade in Paris and. So much so, squatters come in, him and his two partners go in and kick the fuck out of the squatters. I mean, it's set in a particular uh, time period where there was a lot of immigrants coming to Paris and stuff. Seventies and eighties. Um, no, no, it's later net. Uh, it's it's about it's early two thousands. It, it's all right. That's what it would have been like the Le Pen years because that's what I done my dissertation on for my masters. This is two thousand and nine. So the film is in around then. It was the same thing that was happening in Berlin and stuff like this here. But um, it's it's really good. Like I mean, the, the best thing about it is that it, it it's it's fairly unglamorous. A lot of handheld. But um, <clears throat> what happens is uh, the fellow's driving home one night, and uh, he's driving past this sort of like conservatory place, um, where like big classical sort of shows go on, and he passes his old uh piano teacher or the the, the person he used to represent his mother. Like his his mother's dead before the story starts. Yeah. But she was a piano player, and um, okay, he goes up and chats to him because he hasn't seen him in years and stuff. And then the boy just puts this notion in his head. He says, "Oh, you have to come on audition for me." And he was kind of going like, "Oh fuck, um, right." And he sort of didn't realize that he sort of had it, or or he, you know, um, would be of interest to your man. Mm. But then he just spends the rest of the film while being a gangster, learning these uh, back pieces ah. and doing his fucking head in and. Like he, it's it's like it's like you see an awakening on somebody the whole, throughout the rest of the film, yeah. and uh, like even there's a huge emphasis on uh, immigrants. Like the girl that teaches him is is uh, Chinese, and they can't uh, communicate. She can speak a wee tiny bit of English, but like uh, she can still communicate what he's doing wrong. She sort of tutors him then for this edition, mm. and it's just a really good character film. Uh, I said really raw, and it, it avoids cliches quite well, and. Not only actors are like massive French actors, and uh, like, like seven foot other, huh? About seven foot other one. Say again. <laughs> Go on, <laughs> said it twice. Nobody called it. Go ahead. No, I got yours, Anne. I just, <laughs> I just, I just didn't think of it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
was going to say? Uh, I'm trying to think of anything more to say about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the best thing, it's it's very character driven. There's a lot of complicated relationships going on. Like, I mean, his, his friend is a bit of a womanizer. And uh, there's this real complicated relationship going on between him and his friend's wife. And then um, I think develops with his his father. Um, because his father is like an, an old hand at the property thing. And his father sort of puts pressure on him because his father's a wee bit sick. They go and do sort of violent kind of jobs for him as well. And he's really, he's kind of getting, getting, getting it from all sides. And I think there is a, like a deliberate Scorsese reference in it is at the start when him and his two property friends, when he hasn't had the, the awakening or whatever, um, is uh, that they play kind of rock music over these guys get, uh, getting their heads kicked in by these three people at the start. Yeah. And uh, I think that's the only kind of overt Scorsese reference because I think Scorsese actually sort of invented that style of mm. using rock music over the thing. But um, great film, great ending, and very much like a personal victory at the ending you know it's not it's not big uh you know walking off into the sunset with a fucking convertible and it's it's just i uh, happy days i can put that in bed kind of ending but whatever whatever i'm not gonna tell you what he's putting in bed but putting, uh, uh, putting that dog in bed just <laughs> no but uh i really heavily recommend that the beat that my heart skipped Brilliant. nice one it's get directed a profit Oh fuck! I've said that. I was old enough when you were chatting about it. Held that one back. <laughs> old enough when you were chatting about it, I was thinking I might recommend the profit at the end. But there you go. I'll definitely watch it now. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, can I go next? Yeah. Uh, this week I watched Don't Breathe, which has just been out this year. It was out about I don't know. Like was it like fucking three or four months ago or something like that? There no, it was try three or four weeks ago. <laughs> oh yeah, three or four weeks ago. Yeah, but. Um, Fede Alvarez, uh, I think the only film I directed part of it was the Evil Dead remake. And usually about horror remakes, they're easy to shit on. I went to cinema to see the Evil Dead remake, and I'm not saying it by any means was a fucking outstanding film, but it was it was pretty good. I mean, it, it ticked the box as well. I thought you hated it. No, no, it wasn't Evil Dead remake. I hated it. I actually didn't even mind. It was the Halloween remake. You're probably thinking I did. No, I de- no. I specifically, remember you going to see the Evil Dead one. You went to see it with Lena. Mm. No, I, 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 I don't know. Maybe, maybe the, straight after. And then aye, you maybe at the time. Over. But now that I've had three years to kind of do all of it, it wasn't as bad as what I was expecting. But uh, Fede Alvarez, basically the plot of Don't Breathe. Very simple story. It's about three kids. I'll say about like their late teens. In Detroit, and obviously as we know now, Detroit, I think it was like the first city on earth to declare itself bankrupt, you know, completely devoid of money, no investment whatsoever, and it's literally just crumbling down. And uh, obviously because their city is in such uh, disarray or whatever, they've decided to rob houses just to kind of make ends meet. And they decide to focus on this house out in this deserted sort of neighbourhood and it's actually pretty cool the way they do it because when all the shit goes down in the house which is what I'm about to explain you're kind of thinking to yourself during the whole thing yeah well all this gunfire and all this commotion why is nobody ringing the cops why is you know why is nothing happening but you know it's it's just it, it, it was worked out well in the fact that the neighbourhood is completely desolate and it's actually kind of realistic too because there is just swarms of neighbourhoods in Detroit now that are just completely ghost towned you know what I mean like there's nobody living there because everyone's fucked off out of Detroit but uh, they focus on this house. Apparently, it's an army veteran. Uh, he got a big, massive payout a couple of years before, and they think, oh, well, happy days. He lives alone. There's three of us. We can break in at night, hopefully when he's sleeping, rob this fucking huge payout he got from a court case. The reason he got the payout is because his daughter was killed by an girl accidentally, which then becomes relevant as the film goes on. 
But they break in, they then find out that the guy's blind, so they think, oh, even better, this is a piece of puss, you know, even if he does wake up, he won't be able to see us, and we can fuck off for the money, and it being a horror film, and it being a thriller, and this being 15 minutes in, it's obviously not going to work out that way. So, some shit goes down, where we find out that even though the boy's blind, and they do it in the kitchen, because I was thinking before I watched I was like, oh, it's going to be really naff, you know what I mean? They do it in that, apparently, blind people who've been blind for years, they don't have superpowers with their other senses, but their other senses, their other senses are heightened in a certain way. Does it become the Rocketeer? No, see, I, I <laughs> that's what I was thinking. I was all, I really don't want these boys to basically be breaking on the Daredevil's house, like you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's what I was thinking. Like, but uh, you just see two wee ears. I, you just see, you know, in the background, just you see the wee bully clubs popping like shadows. Just, uh, <laughs> but uh, that's I was kind of worried about how they were going to handle you know this fucking lonesome blind sort of. Gulf War, I think, veteran or something like that, and I don't want him to be doing like fucking flying kicks and you know doing all this kung fu and stuff. The way Fede Alvarez handles it, it's as realistic as what you could expect, and you do genuinely believe that this boy, even though he's blind, because he's been blind for so long and his senses are slightly heightened, and because he has former training as a soldier, uh, how he takes plus it's his house as well. Plus it's his house, but how and as well it's patch black. And like he said, the three robbers don't really know the house as well. He's got stuff set out just in case this happens because it turns out that he is a bloody paranoid freak. I think that is one of the strongest things about the film. It's, that's dealt with in a very realistic way that you can actually buy into. Because I think that if they would have broken that house and like I say, he would have became Daredevil, then because of the tone that had been set up so far, I think he would have switched off then and thought this a load of shit. Like, you know what I mean? Is it pitch black as soon as they go into the house? It's very dark. I mean, a lot of the film, especially all the stuff in the house, whilst it's being built up, is very, very dark. I know. was going to go into a pitch black reference. All right. <laughs> 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 no, I was just... He just pulls off a way. Uh, yeah. It's fun <laughs> <laughs> It's pitch black for Stephen Lang all the time. Like, but Stephen Lang also plays the sort of ex-vet. Yeah. And he's, he's really, really good. Very, very good. No, I was going to go and do the thing of do blind people turn on the lights if they live on their own? <laughs> <laughs> fuck right actually right enough <laughs> never I, thought about that well if they love aye, if they love alone then why the fuck would they aye. I fucking know all that trusty balls for him anyway. nice <laughs> I like that well, they can turn the radio or something. I remember the first short <laughs> story need the radio on keep me entertained it's not going to be whacking on the TV I remember like. the first short story ever when I was like at fucking really young at school and it was like it was it had to be about a blind person there was like a thing you just had to and whatever and uh, that was one of the first things that came, that came to my head. I actually tied a scarf around my head and tried to walk around the house. <laughs> but that, but that's the sort of get in your head. It just showed that Heron would be a writer. He was trying to get inside <laughs> the head like you Get inside the animals. <laughs> but uh, no, I, and that was the first conclusion that came to me. So how would you know it's night or day? You would have to go, is it cold? Is it warm? Is it, you know, this kind of thing. And that's a very interesting concept though. I mean, even just you jokingly bringing that thing up about how like a blind person sort of perceives the world and they obviously in Don't Breathe because it is just a kind of standard horror thriller they don't delve into that it's just more about how dangerous this guy can be even though he's got a disability and oddly enough it was kind of interesting I read an interview with Fede Alvarez the director just after I watched the film and he kind of put across an interesting point he says they'd done the Evil Dead remake and because it was a remake there was a lot of sort of studio interference and obviously Jason Voorhees, like Michael Myers, your sort of classic monsters, is this just unstoppable force of nature, and you don't know if there's a bit of the supernatural involved in there, but basically, he's a lot stronger and a way bigger advantage than the protagonist in the film. And Fetty Alvarez immediately thought, would it not be cool if the boogeyman in my next film was actually at a huge disadvantage to the protagonist, and how would you play with that, and how would you kind of break certain troops, and 
I thought that was interesting. And mm. because... Wait, why did you bring up Jason Voorhees? Jason Voorhees? Oh, fuck Evil Dead. Sorry, I was thinking Friday the 13th. I know right? I was going to say. I was thinking Friday the 13th. Aye, well, obviously, the, the protagonist in Evil Dead, and anyway, still Aye, this yeah. big sort of boogeyman. But uh, I thought it was pretty cool, and it, it kind of shows in the work, I think, because... It's not like one of these ones where they were sitting about a script table one day and Fede Alvarez says, oh, you know, be mad, actually. If the fucking, if, if your boogeyman's blind, actually, that'll be a bit different. It's obvious that it was... <laughs> no, but uh, no, but it's obvious that fucking... It's obvious that the disability thing was there from, like, the fucking opening stages of the script writing. And not only did they just want to make him blind as, like, a niche or something like that, they actually wanted to create a character around that and they kind of thought about it and stuff. Hence why I think... <laughs> he's still having a word. Hence... <laughs> I just imagine, just quickly, if you're not on, you're all... I want to script right myself. You're all right, that is all... Uh, boogeyman type story, right? Don't know, but you say Boogeyman's a big fucking mad cunt, right? But my Boogeyman, we see, he's fucking blind. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm thinking about rewriting Halloween, aye, but Michael aye. Myers is fucking deep. <laughs> Michael Myers can't see he's blind. as a fucking bad. It's all... <laughs> Mind blown! I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> Your anyway. man's leaving the right himself, just <laughs> trying to beat you to the punch. Yeah. No, but he's like, I'm but I read him myself. Never, probably has never what never written a word in his life. But he's just as all. Oh, but I read him myself. He's got about ninety scripts in his head. That he's never brought his holy. Hasn't even done a crossword. Sat behind like. the paint, just. <laughs> but uh, I go go back to don't breathe anyway. Uh, Stephen Lang aids the, the sort of performance. Uh, the blind thing works really really well and kind of realistically and there was one other thing that i was also very intriguing that whole setup that i just told you is done because it's only like an hour and a half long that whole setup of them breaking into the house and then finding out that he's this ga and he's not as much a pushover as what you think that's done in like 20 minutes so like 20 minutes and i was thinking to myself it's one of those films that i'll just be impressed if they can get the logistical conclusion and fill out another hour and ten minutes of this film without it being fucking stupid. Mm. But not only did they do that, but as the film goes on, it actually gets more tense and more sort of thrilling. And then these other elements kind of come to light, especially about his daughter being murdered, mm. which becomes relevant later on. The kind of, I it just it just sucks you in then, and you kind of just the, the time flies by. But no, uh, it was really really good. I mean, I heard a lot of good reviews before it, but I just like the fact that it was. I always use this word strip down because it is stripped down. It's literally three, four people in one house, and most of the time the lights are off, so you can't really see what's happening. But they just do it very well, and I think it's all just down to the power of the script and the idea that the director and everybody involved had of trying to just do something a bit different with like the sort of horror thriller genre. But it's good. It's very good. Is it ninety minutes? Ninety minutes. Nice. It is indeed. We need them under. We like that in this podcast. Just doesn't for a man on the go. <laughs> doesn't like say it's welcome, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but no, very, very good. So definitely give it a holla. Awesome. Uh film I watched this week was the new Netflix film. Which one? The Siege of Jadaville or something? Well. That's a new Netflix film, The Siege of Jadaville. Oh. Uh, did that we, yeah, that just come up. We fucking what do you call him? Mr. Grey, the boy from where we're from. <laughs> What do you call him again? <laughs> what the fuck did Jamie Dornan? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Grey? Mr. Grey, yeah. Aye, from Fifty Shades. From Fifty Shades, that's shit. Okay. Uh, no, Mascots. Chris, Christopher I, Guest's new movie. Oh, as a Christopher Guest? Yeah. See, this sometimes, before you go, this fucks me off sometimes about Netflix, is that <laughs> you can't really, because I seen that last week, and like I kind of liked the image, and I sort of was intrigued by like the wee sort of semi-description that they give, but I assumed there was a documentary about actual sporting mascots. So it's a f- it's Chris. Oh fuck! I'll definitely watch it anyway. 
Come on. You don't even have to sell me now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, so it's Christopher Guest's new film. It's set in the world of mascots. So it's just, it's still in documentary style, which I think all his films are documentary mm-hmm. style. Yeah. Like Best in Show. Best in Show and Waiting for, waiting for Guffman. For Your Consideration. Yeah. That's was that his so. last one, or was it one? No, best in show was after he's he's seen in Hollywood as like being one of the smartest screenwriters and directors. But obviously his films never make fuck all money, but they also cost no money. But he just flies on the writer. Yeah, but his back catalog is fucking lethal. And as well, even <laughs> Spinal Tap. I mean, they all could yeah. that too. Like you know what I mean? But anyway, was it, was it Christopher Guest wrote Spinal Tap? Well, they all sort of co-wrote like, I think it was all just mostly yeah, Christopher, Christopher Guest is uh, Nigel, Nigel Hubbard on the. <clears throat> he's the blonde one. The lead. Hubbard? Is it Hubbard? That doesn't sound right. I don't know. I Nigel, mean, whatever. No. I always mix him up by, you know, the guy from Beetlejuice, and he's in Ferris Bueller as well. Michael McKean. Oh, no, it's Jeffrey Jones. He's Jeffrey like, Jones. He's the husband in Beetlejuice. And he's the principal in Ferris Bueller. Uh, he turned out to be a pedo. Did he? Yes. He looks like Peter. Very unsavory no, character. <laughs> Wait, really. who's he? Jeffrey Jones. He was the principal in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. But who's he in Spinal Tap? He's not in Spinal Tap. He's not in Spinal Tap. always mix. Oh, all right, I thought you were on about someone in Spinal Tap. Sorry. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so Mascots. It's Christopher Guest's new film. Bloody it's... pedos. <laughs> <laughs> Got me again. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's all about sports mascots. So... Fucking so it's <laughs> it's it circles around the word mascots mascot championship. So it's just it follows just about five or six different mascots and their journey to the championship and whatnot. O- overall, it's it's just a nice wee film. I mean, it's kind of it's it's not even really that funny. It's just nice, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like there's there's no not a heart. There's no real kind of big laugh out loud moments, except there's one moment at the very end that gave me a good chuckle. <laughs> a good hurrah! Because it's it's the kind of thing as well that you should have seen it coming the whole way through, but you don't. And then when it happens, you're all like, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" Like that is really good. Like it's like it's that like, dull dude chair and burn after reading. <clears throat> you should really see that coming. Like. All right. <laughs> it's like that Westlife song. Should have seen it coming, you know. <laughs> is that Should a song? Have read that line anyway. <laughs> Are you on, making this up? It's it over. You know that one? I know. I but no. Is that what? No, if I can see you now. No, is that? Fuck. No, that's what's all you're saying. I'm flying with that one. No, no, no. <laughs> no <go. laughs> can't I? Can't believe that I'm, I'm a fool again. Yes. Yes. Oh, they say in that I should have seen it coming. Should have seen it. Kind of kind of like a song. Westlife what, what, what you're talking about, mate. <laughs> 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 that Westlife song is kind of like a song. Uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that line, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so you have Zach Woods from Silicon Valley. Fucking pedo. <laughs> he does look like a pedo. Who's Zach Woods? The really tall, lanky one. That's how everybody the Martin Star. No, Zach Woods. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, that's the guy's name. But who's the tall monkey one? Oh, I know. From I know. Silicon Valley. Oh, he's so nice on it though. He's got a heart of gold in Silicon Valley. Yeah, but he looks like a pedo. He does. He does. He does. He's in Spy. Plays like a Russian. Yeah. He's also in On the Loop. He's in a lot of stuff. In fairness, is Zach Woods. Mm. Yeah, so he's small part, but still. I See, know. I first got to know him in the American Office. He was in a few series. He's also in that. Zachary Woods. But yeah, so he Zachary he's in it, and he has oh. him and his wife are both mascots. But then. 
you can kind of tell that they hate each other and they. I love pedos. Step on each other's territory. Uh, one stealing the other's pedo thunder. <laughs> one stealing the other suggests that bloody. Right, right, sorry, sorry. We need to pack this up. And I just fuck up when he stopped talking about pedos. Like, ah, well, there's I only know. so far you can go in. Oh, no, believe me, there's for her. Aye, but that's when you Trust start me. to get <laughs> dodgy territory. <laughs> Someone said. See, no, it's not. it's like what I said last week. There's only so far you can go until you start getting into specific things, and you're like, you've done this. Of me. <laughs> 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 go on, then. Go on about your film. Um, yeah, so Zach Woods in it. Um, who else? That's, there's not really like big like Fred. What do you call him? Our favorite. Oh, Willard. Hi, uh, Fred Willard's in it. He's in all Christopher Guest stuff. But he yeah. he's brilliant in it. Just he he kind of crops up in just a couple of scenes, but. He's just like this old man that doesn't really care. <laughs> he's always that though. Right. <laughs> but like he's he's talk he's talking to like this little person who their mascot he's like a worm or like a caterpillar or something. And he's all like like how how did they do this? Did they shrink you down or something? <laughs> he's like he's just all like I could talk to you for ages. I love all this stuff. You <laughs> know, he's just like he just seems complete he, out he, of he it. Can, like, he can just make anything funny. Obviously, if, if anybody ever has to tell me that I've got like a terminal disease or I'm dying, <laughs> I want them to fly on Fred Waller just to tell me because I'll just laugh about it. Yeah. So mascots. I I'm trying to think. Like, there's no kind of real big names. Uh, fucking Chris O'Dowd's in it. I don't. I just don't like Chris O'Dowd. I uh, I I like. He's him. a poor man's Elmer. That's that's just that's what it is. Nah, it's not I, even like he, he doesn't do anything in general to annoy me. I just don't find him that amusing. Well, and, and his voice annoys me. In this, his voice very is very American on. in his opinions. He's very yeah. cosmopolitan in his opinions, and that in itself annoys the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can't do that, Junior. Off, fucking. Pass off, Chris. Yeah, it's. I think it's even for more the fact that I think that a lot of people find Chris O'Dowd funny for his voice alone because he's got a kind of stupid cartoony voice. But first of all, I find his voice very, very irritating. And second of all, you're not really that funny if just people think you're funny because your voice sounds fucking stupid. Well, he has, he has a I liked him in Bridesmaids. I thought he was good in Bridesmaids. Yeah, but that's more just like as a romantic lead. You know what I mean? That's because we have more depth than I don't know. Right. I just really like. And then what's the one Moon? Me and Moon Boy. Moon Boy. Aye, uh, where he's like imaginary friend. Aye, uh, he's good now. Uh, that's a good show. Moon man. boy, little old moon boy. <laughs> Let's them Looks like we got scarves. a moon boy here. <laughs> oh, you know, we got old moon boy. Um, <laughs> I know in mascots, he's doing a bit of a different accent. It's kind of weird though. But Kelly? he's supposed to be. I declare. He's supposed to be like the bad boy of oh. sports mascotry, as oh, he says Jesus. it. Jesus. No, but his his character's kind of weird because. All the other people that are in it, they kind of have their own stories and they're doing their own things. Mm. But he kind of seems to float in between everyone else's stories. Like he just, uh, he's a floater. Uh, <laughs> no, like because there's this boy from there's an English boy in it from what? South Croydon, and uh, he uh, he's a mascot for like a non-league South Croydon. Where the fuck South Croydon? Croydon. 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 Oh, it's, it's in England. No, just this guy's from England. He goes over to America to the World's Mascot Championship. Oh, maybe say Croydon right the first time, next time as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mickey. Where's he from, James Croydon? <laughs> <laughs> we got ourselves a moon boy. <laughs> uh, we got ourselves a moon boy. <laughs> ah, fuck off your stupid fucking dead air silent shit. Come on, carry what? on. You are talking, but... <laughs> I knew you were going to do a wee silent single. You were going to go on the wee huff there, Bamboo, I know. 
trying to fucking talk you're talking over me Ooh. <laughs> I'm sorry baby <laughs> alright so there's a boy from Croydon on there and uh well done <laughs> alright I'm sorry Mikey I'm only taking a hand oh, you are off now There's an English boy in there, and uh, he travels over with his dad and his wife. And he, he kind of becomes, like, the heart of the film, really, because uh, he has a really nice relationship with his wife, and he says this whole thing about it, how his wife's his best friend and stuff, and it's nice kind of moment. But his dad, he was... the His mascot is called Sid the Hedgehog, and his dad was Sid before he was Sid, and then his... His dad was said before him. So it's like Ant-Man sort of? Aye. No, so <laughs> so his, his dad keeps telling him, like, how to be said. And, like, because in the actual competition, they all just put on, like, a routine. Mm. Like, they just do a wee mascot thing. Yeah. And so he keeps he keeps telling him what routine to do and what he can and can't do. So his whole thing is, ch- is trying to break away from his dad because he has this routine that he wants to do with a ladder. He says the ladder routine will work. And he's all, no, it's stupid and all this here. So what I was saying about Chris O'Dowd is he kind of floats in between everybody else's story because with the English guy, he meets him at the hardware store when he's about to return the ladder. Yeah. And he kind of says, like, oh, what, what the fuck do you care what your dad thinks? And I was like, like, he kind of talks him into keeping the ladder. Yeah. And then there's a bit later on where Chris O'Dowd is just coming on to this scare that she's a mascot, like. But it doesn't really serve any purpose. It's just kind of, it's not even that funny. He just kind of he's all, oh, I'll be out there watching and it's always just like following up. It's just about flirting, but it just doesn't seem to work. I know it's just a bit weird that they kind of have him and they're floating about and not really doing anything. He's in what he caught. Was it being forty? What the fuck he caught? This is forty. This is forty. He's in that for like the party scene. Him and Jason Siegel have like a. A scene where Jason Siegel's like this, like, I think he's like a yoga instructor or something like this here. And is Jason Siegel not just playing the character he would have played in Knocked Up? Aye, but he's he's teaching them like fitness or some shit. Or yeah. And then like Megan Fox is all into him and all, and then Chris O'Dowd, he can't figure out, he's like, what, what the fuck just happened? You know, he just, he can't figure out how he, Jason Siegel's just really flirting with Megan Fox. Aye. And so that, that, that I'll give him that, I suppose. But, uh, <laughs> uh, no, but it has that sort of thing where it's just like, he's just in there, and it's uh, oh, maybe that maybe that's why they do it. it was, oh, he had a funny moment with doing something like that, and this is forty. So, I that, yeah. no, that's that's what I was going to say as well. I mean, when you were saying you didn't realize or understand what that scene was there, I was just going to say maybe it was that maybe it's just about a time filler because I mean most of Christopher Guest films they're sort of focused towards an angle in the narrative but all or not there there's no real narrative there it's just about getting to know these people yeah. and then there's like a kind of final set piece so him doing that they probably just thought I fucking chucked it because it was in some way amusing I know that's the whole film basically it is just getting to know the people and then a lot a lot of it is actually seeing the routines that they do mm-hmm. which is I actually really enjoyed that I enjoyed it way more than what I thought because when they first started doing this I was like oh is this like the rest of the film <laughs> <laughs> but no it was, it's actually cool seeing the routines and you kind of you feel the same emotions that the audience on like in the film are feeling, like yeah. you're kind of going along with it. So that was kind of cool. But as as I said, the English guy is kind of the heart of the film, and then there's two you, you two don't know sisters. Who plays him though? Is it a? I think it's Thomas something. I can't mind though. I'll check it right now. Sure, we're sure we're sure chatting. But uh, 
yeah, there's these two sisters as well, and one of them's a mascot, and then one of them's just there to like cheer her on. But they they have a nice kind of story as well. But apart from the air, everyone else doesn't really have any kind of arc or anything. It's just kind of they're there, and you learn bits and pieces about them, but nothing really big happens. Mm. And I think those two specifically, their performance means something, and the rest of them don't. So yeah. when you see their performance, you're kind of more invested in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, which one is it here? Have have a look through the this cast list, and and, and it's tell the English me, one. Because I can't tell who's English by looking yeah. at them. <laughs> Ah, uh, Chris O'Dowd just came up. Oh, no. No, Chris O'Dowd. Ah. Who is it? It is... He's pretty low down the credits because he's looking at the film. Tom Bennett. Tom Bennett. I not recognize him there. O- Owen Jolly. Owen Jolly? Him. That name Nothing sounds familiar. Okay. Tom Bennett. I know he's been because he was on the Empire podcast there recently, and they were chatting that he had like a great year, and he was another. That's show. not the same person. Those two. Films. I know. No. Jesus, <laughs> I was a very handsome man, and I looked. I was like, Jesus. Yeah, he's the younger one. Like, <laughs> three divorces and fucking about him a life crisis on there. Go on. But yeah, overall, I'd say. Uh, it's, and he's actually from Croydon. Yeah, I know because I think he worked with Christopher Guest and someone else, and Christopher Guest specifically wrote him in. This here, yeah. and I chose where he was from. I don't like it, but um, yeah, overall, I, it's just a nice film. It's just a nice hour and a half to spend. It was enjoyable, but not not a big laugh out loud or anything. But it was just all nice and happy and bright. Lovely stuff. I've also just noticed there now from me talking about Christopher Guest that you know they take away from him. Not saying it's unoriginal or not like that because he's got a formula and obviously he's got his own sort of distinct style of comedy and direction that works. But every one of his films. Seems to be about disparate people on the lead up to a big event. For your consideration is about different people involved in the movie business on the lead up to the Oscar nominations. What's mm. the for your consideration about again? For your consideration is about who's that? I can't. Parker Posey's in all his films, aren't it? It's Christopher Guest. I th- I'm near enough sure. I haven't seen it in years. Chris- uh, Christopher Guest is in mascots. Uh, as he's, well. he's he's usually in his own films. He's in that Parker Posey's on there too. I can't really remember who else. I'm Fred Willard. Just... <laughs> what? Fred, Fred Willard. Fred Willard is uh, more like man <laughs> for your consideration too. Then best in show. Is about all these dozen people on the lead up to like the head dog show on air for whatever. I don't think this I've seen it, Christopher Guest film. No? I know I don't I don't think I've seen any of them apart from this spell top. Obviously, then obviously this one's about mascots. And then what was the other? Oh, I know. In fairness, waiting for God was not. That's that's not about a big event. Waiting for Guffman, sorry, but those are three. Why? What's something. waiting for Guffman? But that's what I'm saying. I've never seen waiting for Guffman. Right. I've never seen it, but I know that it's not formed around a big event anyway. I think it's a play on waiting for God. What's waiting for God? It's that famous. It's Beckett on the famous backup play about Beckett two men just basically waiting for someone to come, but the whole play is just them sitting there talking existentially about life and all this shit. Oh. Okay, we'll go on to recommend. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll go into topics. <laughs> Woo! Roller coaster. Colm <laughs> Heron has a topic. And um, a big D. <laughs> it was something we, uh, we didn't get to talk about last week because we ended up just talking for Because you're Rogue massive One. erection. Yep. And uh, the thing I was going to tell off from Rogue One is that they're bringing Darth back. And, oh, uh, he back. Oh, oh, he back. Oh, he back. Motherfucker. She bring up bring back Samuel Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> and then they oh, he back. Big miss. Yeah. I, well, I think they, they said... Like re- Wundu. They, I Sorry. think they said recently like Mace Windu isn't actually dead. Even though he went flying out that fucking one day, though. 
Uh, he just wasn't there for the last 10 minutes. What do you call Mace, Mace, Mace Wendy? <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Wendy. What's Mrs. fucking son's name again? <laughs> Your <Yours. laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Even halfway through yeah, that, you're you 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 no, 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 Grandson, Sandra, Sandra Wendy. <laughs> anyway, go on. <laughs> but uh, the whole thing is about, uh, I was just thinking about generally and filming to bring a character back from, you know, after 20 or 30 years of, you know, uh, like a difference or a gap. I mean, a lot of times they would just change the actor and reboot it, but sometimes they don't. And uh, like me personally, I was thinking about, I mean, obviously, Doris and stuff like that, we haven't seen it yet, so maybe fucking absolute pipe, but we don't need it. Um, I was thinking about, uh, like Paul Newman and the Color Money. As you, and uh, like the original film is Paul Newman in his I think he's in his thirties or something. And the Hustler, so I mean, like if it's nineteen sixty or sixty one, hmm. he would have been only like about thirty, maybe even like twenty nine or something, like in uh, his early twenties. Because Color Money's made sure I made sure that Newman's but Aye, he would have been his thirties anyway. No point in but he would have been young. I think Newman was born like nineteen twenty six or something. So that's nineteen sixty, probably about thirty four. Uh, so what's the time gap between Hustler and Colin? 26 years. Just, mm. to, just to make sure here. So, um, Big old gap. But the whole point, um, I mean... Well, actually, to be precise, 25 years, 22 days. <laughs> Are you riding up there, Sean? Just about right. In fairness, the Hustler's 61, not 60. That's where I went wrong. So where's... Uh, what's Colin Money in? Colin Money's 86. 86, right, okay. Um, no, the, the thing is that I would say, I'd say a lot of actors are reluctant to come back to a character they've done, especially if it's in different hands and things like this here. I mean, it can be like it's a different era and it's a different thing or whatever, but I mean, you see a lot of, especially older actors now, just taking parts and they're kind of going, they, they, they kind of shadows of older characters and shades of it, like that really shite one stand up guys with fucking Pacino and Christopher Walken. I didn't even watch it. Ah, uh, was, was that? I was horrendous was it sitting picking me hole on a Sunday and I thought I fuck I'll stack it on eat a pack of crisps and then uh, nah it was shite it was just like just this really shite swan song of one of them getting out of jail and them and going uh, one of them has to kill the other or something like this here and it's just this stupid lazy written was it supposed to be like a wooden do their previous rules? The Hunter or I guess it's just gangster stuff, like Aye. you know, and it's just like sort of other gangsters. Oh, it's Al Pacino's Chris Rock. It's, yeah, it's kind of like that film came out a couple of years ago, the boxing one with De Niro and Stallone, because yeah, they both right. played. Aye, when they because obviously they both played big boxing. Yeah, it was the big meetup and all. And That's it actually was, it's, a, it's a it's a perfect sort of comparison because when you run about stand up guys, and it's almost like a. They're playing char- They're basically playing char- parodies of characters that made them famous in the first place. Mm. But it's just that's as far as the writer kind of goes yeah. with it. It's like, oh, it's funny because it's Pacino and De Niro. And they hit that's each all other they because in real life they hit each other and they, they think they're drawing on some sort of allegory. But they're they're no, they didn't hit each other. They just at the time it was kind of one of these things where like, oh fuck, I think I, I think Rocky had come out, Raging Bull was coming out, but it was just like, oh, you only did a boxing film because we did a boxing film. And this kind of stuff, and the whole thing I'm doing black and white and all that was a studio thing, but that was different. But um, I think uh, it was like probably two of the most famous boxing films, them fighting. But 
Actually, John Duddy trained in Airford. Aye? Aye, he's just trainer. That. That's why John Duddy's in Hands of Stone. Playing, nice one. Playing somebody. I don't know. But, I mean, that, that, that's I'm saying that's the sort of bad version of it, where it's sort of, you know, being allegorical of certain parts, or it's sort of taking sections of all these parts, and you can mm. never really get a, are they trying to say anything or not? I'll answer it. They're trying to say fuck all. They're just, <laughs> they're just trying to go, this is a bit of, oh, that's funny, it's a bit of trivia. You know, it's like, it's like a you know like a, a trailer for a, a fucking trivia thing. Oh, it's, he says that because fucking you know, remember in fucking Ray Jump all where uh, he makes a, a wife eat the steak and he's eating the steak <laughs> next to what you know, and you're all probably not, but go ahead, yeah, can I? And uh, more like what in case you do this is fucking money because aye, it's still well, money aye, aye, pretty much. I don't aim me just, but uh, don't your own. But I'm saying like a good example was, for example, the color money. Um, and it it starts off because I mean it's a different era. So Tom Cruise has had you know he's obviously been influenced by TV and things I guess here and so he's got all these sort of stupid dance moves. He's got this fucking daft haircut and it's sort of it's meant to be sort of like that. He's meant it's, to be just he thinks he's a rock star because he's lethal. Ah, exactly. But I think that's sort of amped up. And then you see Paul Newman kind of examining this, and he he can't see some of himself in it, but I think. Uh, what Paul Newman sees in him is that he, he <laughs> there's one scene that races and plus the, the best uh, part of your arsenal of being a pole hustler is your your great flake he says not many people are but he says you really are like you know like the Paul Newman thing is that he can never the whole thing about pole hustling is you go in you don't challenge the first guy you you challenge the smaller guys he challenges whatever and you deliberately lose some matches and you deliberately lose but then you won some, and you won some, and then you pretty much sweep up with all the lesser matches. Or, for example, you challenge the big guy first, and you lose against him. You take you, a weapon uh, off. Him. You, you, you dump, that's to say. So all the other guys are just all, alright, fuck, I'll take this play. It seems like a bit of a flick. Do you know what I mean? And so then you just clean up with the rest of them. You know what you didn't make in the big guy, yeah. you make five times over with the rest of them. That's pull hustling. And then eventually you get the play that's the big yeah, that's pull hustling, ladies and gentlemen. And then eventually you get to play the big guy again, so it becomes full circle when you prove yourself, even though uh, you had that ability anyway. But you're pretending uh, not to have that ability to fool people into giving you money. You ever get pulls hustled? <laughs> once, I once. And I, I'm not just, but I'm actually a pretty good pull player. It's not fucking roaring or shouting or like that. But uh, I did <laughs> fucking uh, I got hustled once in Spain actually because I was playing. And it was just kind of people putting like euros down the table and stuff like that. And I was doing well and I won consecutively a good lot of matches. I'd say like seven or eight. And I seen, I don't know how I got sucked in there, but I seen this boy playing at the other table. And he was playing with his girlfriend, so he was just kind of mucking about. And like, she was bitting him and stuff like that. But I'm nearly sure to this day that she was bitting him just to kind of catch right because there was a good lot of that. I wouldn't Jesus. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Great. It wasn't like there was thousands of pounds on the table. But I'd say there was about 20, 25 euros or something like that. Which is, you know, it's a good round of drinks anyway. Especially Spain, which is cheap for a drink. And he came up and he says, oh, do you fancy a game? And I thought, fucking happy days. I'll admit this boy, no bother. Because I've seen him playing Miss Mrs. there now. And he's shite. Cleaned me. I mean... <laughs> I, I was eight, eight games straight. He won all the money that was in the table. So he won about thirty. It was only about thirty euro. Like, you know what I mean? But it's good for a round of drinks. But that was thirty euro. I fucking shit. Accum- <laughs> <laughs> I shit 30, thirty euro. I accumulated over fucking about eight games. And as I say, geez, you're not going to write home about that amount of money. But I mean, when he put on his first shot, I was thinking, that's, that's, that's a lucky shot. That's a lucky shot. <laughs> and then I think I parted two balls, and then he just went on a run, parted seven on the trot, and I was like, you fucking cunt, you've done me. Show me camera, boy. I say that's a crack, right? And then, and the first one, um, I, I think the first one's a lot more darker and a lot bigger as a story, because like the issue of the story is, can you let your ego go? And just make money from pretend to be shit. You need to be an amazing player to play that shit sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Mm. They, they skillfully put the ball where it needs to be, kind of thing. Yeah. So that the guy will pot in the game will be over quickly. And so the point of it is is that, uh, you know, it's having the integrity to say, I'm really good at this here. I'm like one of the best you've ever seen, kind of thing. But. They make some fucking dough. They make some really good dough. I have to pretend to be shit. And that's sort of the central issue of the first one. That, that, that uh, the ego takes over. Mm. And then it sort of becomes... the. Uh, it's one of the main themes of the the second one. Because he sees like a young version of himself and Tom Cruise. And it's... I mean, it was 25 years, 26 years between the two of them. 25. 25. 25 and... It's just a great thing that, like, you know, he sees that, but then he's able to try and shape him. And he eventually, I think, he eventually shapes him or tries to shape him into the guy that goes, right, no, if you want to make money at this and you don't want to work on a fucking toy shop, then this is this is what you have to do. You know, and he just can't... Uh, Tom Cruise's character just finds it really hard to dump the same way that his character did. Yeah. And, um... It... <laughs> the only time they really refer to the past is, uh... When... He asks, you know, because you're fast, or you're fast, Eddie Felson, whatever. And he says, so, what, what happened, you know, whatever. And he says, I, I kind of get, I kind of get stopped before I really got started, and I kind of knew that. And he says, what happened? He just says, somebody retired me. Mm. You know, and that's just like, there, you know, there's a bit of that. Even if you hadn't seen the first one, there's a, that's a nice line. Somebody retired me. That's what I always loved about the fast Eddie Felson character, because as he, Paul Newman's my favorite actor ever. For me, nobody comes. Well, there's, I know that there's other more actors who are just as good as him but that's a personal thing but uh, there's a, a fucking there's a brilliant tragedy with Fast Eddie Felson and it's the fact that and I've always liked the way they presented that because it was rare for like 1961 even like kind of rare as well for 1986 where the hero was usually a hero and I think it's one of the first times you see a proper anti-hero not even an anti-hero because you know he is a gambler and he's a bit of a louse and stuff like that but I've always liked that facet of how he's been presented that He's not as good as what the film portrays him. He's really unbelievably good at pool, but they always go to great lengths to show there's always somebody better on you. And it's that kind of tragic scene in The Color of Money where he's playing against Forrest Whitaker, and Forrest Whitaker's bit him away four <laughs> times in a row, and he keeps begging Forrest Whitaker to play him again because he thinks that he's going to beat him this time. And it's sort of 
It is. It's, just, well, it's, it's not even indirect gambling. It's just gambling. And it just shows that he's it got is, this addiction, aye. even though he's got all this talent. Aye. Fair enough with gambling. Say if you whack a, f- a few dice down on like a fucking poker game, or, or not a poker game, if you whack a couple of dice down, like a casino or something like that, it's pretty much out of your hands. It's pot luck. But the different thing with pool is that, I mean, you've got the talent to at least sort of influence how that gambling's going to go. And he thinks that he's got all this talent and he can always do it and he can always win. The odds are always in his favour. But I don't know, when the hustler ran, and as I say, the colour of money in that Forrest Whitaker scene, he doesn't because there's always someone better. And it's kind of, it's, again, it's a sort of sad, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a sad message that both films send out in a way. It's almost like a sort of, I wouldn't say a nihilist message, but a very sort of pessimistic message that it doesn't matter uh-huh. how good you are, it's on, really. Or it doesn't matter how much you believe in yourself. You know, someone's always going to get there before uh-huh. you, or someone's always going to have more talent than you. But I think, I mean, the, the the real skill in that film is not showing flashbacks to the black and white film. I think, I could be wrong, but I think other films do do it. I even think you were talking about the two Jakes and stuff. I think they do flashback to Chinatown. I even remember. They probably do, like, the two Jakes were a shape and all But, uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's all right. Uh, it's sort of has this thing. But, um, no, I'll just finish up and put the call money but, and then talk about that. But, um, no, it's just very carefully worked out, and it is. It, it's not. They don't try and use the old style. They yeah. they they do make it an eighties film, you know, with Tom Cruise, with the music, with all, all the things that are going on in it, and I just think it's, it's it's just as I say, it's a very carefully written uh, character study because it's like, it's just like peeling back another layer, and the layer kind of is age, what age can make you blind to, like you were blind to other stuff before. You can see that now, and you're telling Tom Cruise, but now because you're older, you're blind to other stuff, mm. and you know, and and that, that's sort of the point. You always be blind to something if if you're if you let your ego get the the better of you, and um, the the ending's cool too. I like the ending. Yeah. But uh, um, I no, I would, I would, well, one, I would recommend it, but two, that's, I think it's a really good example of coming back to a character after what twenty five years yeah, and doing it uh, well as well. Did it very well, and also not only coming back and just kind of regurgitating what you knew about the character, but properly showing the character in an older age and sort of showing him more ways. But like Herman saying, not as ways because he's flawed in our ways now that you hadn't seen before. Mm. You know, find but, out new things about him really. But you, you've uh. seen that money is this thing, mm. you know, and he says, oh, I, I, I do, I do with whiskey. That's it. It, mm. it makes money, so that's it. He drives a Cadillac and he wears a big, he wears like big nut. Yeah, like suede coats, what do you call them? Furs. It's, no, it's not fur either. It's like a sort of a, a something that kind of the coat that fucking uh, Oscar Isaac has, and that. I know. I know. No, 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 the 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 gangster one. Aye, that a most violent year. Aye, that. I know what kind of. I know what kind of coat you're on about. But that there has has a richness to it, and that's that's sort of all yeah. the images are like that, and the watches and stuff, and so he he bankrolls Tom Cruise, but it, it's all about how. Um, kind of money talks in his life, and money makes things happen, and this kind of thing. Yeah, a Del Boy coat. I pretty Del much. Boy a, coat. Is that like, like a sheepskin coat? Bloody Del Boy coat. Um, no, it's not. I it's think that's more like football punditry. Kind yeah, of coat. oh yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> a sheepskin seventies manager coat with uh, a big fucking furry neck and stuff like that. It? Maybe like uh, Ven- uh, kangaroo or something like that, or it's like it's that color anyway. I don't know. Kangaroo coat. Kangoat. Kangoat. It's a Del Boy coat. Uh, when you were talking about characters and bringing them back and stuff like that whereas there's a good example I think a bad example and old enough we're showing it next week at the phone club oh. is Psycho the Psycho 2 because 
There was what's the Psycho 2. There was fucking six of them. Aye, there was about, I think there was four Psychos before the Gus Van Sant fucking remake yeah. guy. But, I mean, obviously Psycho... Did you start recording or no? No. Oh, fuck, I thought I'd seen you push a button. I mean, obviously Psycho... I did. <laughs> what button did you press? Not the not record <laughs> button. <laughs> but Psycho stalwart classic, not only in horror, but just in cinema in general. It's just one of those canonical films that you have to see and whatever else. But it's one of those films for so many reasons. And I'm not going to really talk about Psycho and why it's important and all like that, but I'll just kind of focus on Anthony Perkins' performance as Norman Bits. Norman Bits also, because of how popular Psycho was, is super iconic character in the history of cinema. And he's amazing. He's fucking brilliant in Psycho. Like, he's so, so good. He goes from that sort of mollycoddled and overly pampered mommy's boy they kind of shown him as an absolute psychopath in the last two minutes, hence the title Psycho. Oh, and right. I know, I but there's there, there's such a nice switch. But the original Psycho isn't really about Anthony Perkins. It's more about, or sorry, it isn't really about Norman Bates. It's more about the atmosphere and the sort of mystique and where is Muller and who is Muller and why has mm-hmm. Muller got this influence over Norman Bates. And then in the second Psycho, which is like 1983, three so 23 years between the first cycle and the, and the fucking second cycle it was obviously just producers in the 80s who like most producers anyway especially nowadays didn't really have an original idea and thought fuck actually why have we never went back that cycle fucking product that we had you know it was a huge film let's modernize it and you know bring it to the 80s audiences but this time it's just basically revolved around norman bits and the reason that norman bits works is because he's got good moral characters or basically characters you can kind of root for they sort of compete against and, and be his foil. Characteristics or char- like characters? Characters, like, I mean, obviously, right, what okay, do you, yeah. the, 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 the investigator, I can't remember, I can never remember his name, it's not Robichaud, but it's something like that. Oh, and yeah, then, yeah, uh, yeah. So he's got these characters he kind of, you know, uh, bit off against. <laughs> hey! Probably, hey! Which probably have her... Uh, We're children. Her choice of words. Dirtboard in the corner. And, but uh, Psycho 2 is just more focused on Norman Bits, and when you're just focusing on a character who's kind of muller obsessed and he lives in this big motel and he's just killing people and you don't really put a lot of thought into the sort of good characters for want of a better word or the moralistic characters then it just becomes boring a wee bit depressing and anthony perkins in both films performance wise and acting as an art form he's excellent you know he was a great actor uh but it's more just down to the writing around it i mean obviously it was more considered in the first one and he was part of a well-structured and oiled machine of a story Whereas this one, it's just, oh, we've got a product and we've got Anthony Perkins back to play Norman Bits. Everybody thinks Norman Bits is creepy. Let's just fuck Norman Bits on the every scene and not really think about why he's there or why he's killing these people or any of the sort of thought process that went mm. on the first one. And I wouldn't quite say, again, that it's down the Anthony Perkins. It's more down the everything else that is involved with creating a character. And that's why it wasn't a good idea to bring him back, but obviously they just brought it back you know, for money reasons, which is usually the fucking problem. I just looked up Psycho 2, and do you know who wrote Psycho 2? Go on. Tom Holland. Fuck off. The very, the very next Spider-Man guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it was Tom Holland, the, the screenwriter, what wrote Fright Night and whatnot. Mm, that's surprising as well because I but mean, like it, like looking at a quick scan as IMDb, he's done a lot of horror stuff, so yeah. they obviously just got like shit as well. a fairness, horror so writer. Thing. I really like the remake of Fright Night with Colin Farrell and R.A.P. and Yelchin. Yeah, don't really like the original that much. 
I've never seen the original. I've only seen the remake. Did it very poorly, and the suspense isn't as good. And there's a good idea there, like a really good idea, like oh, what happened if a vampire moved next door? But it's not really that funny because it's supposed to be a comedy horror, and it's not really that scary. What Probably it's not that the newest one. The original Fright Night. I actually like the new. That's just scary. Fuck, I mean the original. The original. I was in my London. I, I, don't, I don't really like it. It's just one of them strange mouths. Just about what the yeah. fuck. In fairness, so at the end, it does get a bit creepy. But then it's sort of jarring in because the rest has been so lighthearted and a bit underwhelming. But anyway, we're not talking about Friday Night and the remake. I was talking about Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates, and that's it's just not good. Psycho Two ain't great. And then obviously, oh, it's Psycho Three. That's probably <laughs> most of the things I've ever seen. I haven't seen Psycho Three, and then obviously, Psycho Three. Yeah, there oh, is yeah. a Psycho Three as well. I'm nearly sure. See, there see, looking at the because we we showed the trailer for Psycho the other night, and just looking at him, and just the way the way he kind of looks and just the way he moves, it reminded me a lot of Andrew Garfield. He does actually really look like yeah, he really looks like Andrew Garfield. Really looks like Andrew Garfield. Really does. So I? Psycho remake Andrew Garfield. Boom, straight on there. <laughs> Where's Webb's fucking floating about the Vitz Motel? <laughs> Another Spider-Man reference. They're intrinsically linked. There we go. We've only found that out tonight. Spider-Man's a psycho. Um, um yeah, during this discussion, I just kind of realized who's kind of making a career out of bringing back characters is one Harrison Ford. Yeah. Because, yeah. all right, he brought back Andy and was a bit shite, but they're on about doing another one and everybody's hoping it'll be better. I, th- I think, see, what I know about the first Sunday was the, uh, Frank Darabont had a script which was about finding the lost city of Atlantis. Oh, yeah, and everybody liked it apart from George Lucas. Apart from fucking <laughs> big fucking gobble chin, George Lucas. You know, and he's all, no, nah, stuck an alien on. <laughs> I haven't seen an alien since I'm fucking Star Wars, I mean. Stuck an alien on my phone. But Stephen, you love aliens. <laughs> <laughs> you love aliens, Stephen. And it's just all, yeah, but, you know, in, in another film, Close Encounters of a Fourth Kind, perhaps. Mash up, like Steve. Mash them. Mash them that's both together. There you go, thank me, George. Because like, that was his, his, his property. So it's well, it was always George and Steve, you know what I mean? I know, but, like, do you know what I think it is? Another thing that hurts that film is... The sets on the Indiana Joneses were always quite like B sets, B movie sets. Yeah, Spe- most especially the first and the second. The third, not so much because you've got big outdoor set pieces with real locations. Like you've got Venice, and you get to Germany, and then he goes to the in Austria. There's a thing yeah. he goes there. He saves, he saves pops and stuff like that there, and all there in the oh, bike pops. and stuff. It's like a proper real life chase which I think that's, it definitely separates itself from the others and this probably is probably why Last Crusade is probably my favourite yeah. but they try to go back to like the B sets with more advanced cameras and it doesn't look filmic it actually just the worst thing about going like full HD or 4K or 2K is that things like that you don't quite get away with the way you used to um. unless you put there's a thing called Promist like a filter you can put on it which gets rid of a lot of digital elements, but it still does look digital. And I think that's the problem with, with HD. There, need, there, need, there needs to be a way to figure out how you can get that look, achieve that kind of B-movie look without it being funny and without it looking like, you know, you're sitting in a, a fucking sound stage somewhere with, like, muck and a few fences around you. Do you know what mm. I mean? Which in engines always did well, but with the, the newer technology, I don't, I don't think they achieved that quite well. Well, that's the thing I thought... That kind of the technology is advancing is advancing faster than people know how to deal with it. I mean, because with the with the Hobbit films, 
they were filmed in high frame rates and they were released high frame rate 3D. Well, look as well. I know you see this thing. I I enjoyed it for what it was in the sense that it's a new technology and it's something different. Right. But like all the sets in Hobbiton and all air like everybody says it looks like it's a fucking soap opera. It looks like it's fucking EastEnders right. or something. Well, look and they it's a bit in the Hobbit. frame rate though. I know that's what we're talking about. Well, even without that, because they went so so HD on it. I mean, the thing I was just saying about I was saying about the Indiana Jones thing was actually I was passionate. But uh, the thing I was saying <laughs> about the Indiana Jones thing is that because it's went HD, um, it, it sort of looks like you're watching the film being made a wee bit in the fourth yeah. one especially. And he was saying the same problem with the Hobbit. Just it's a strange sort of thing. I don't know how camp. I don't know how he's felt about this whole thing about films become more HD and then using certain frame rates and stuff like that. But I think that the Hobbit was sort of not a death knell, but when people realized, oh, maybe we don't want that because the whole push was like, oh more realistic hyper-realism this is what we want we want this sort of definition and stuff like that and then when it actually came about most people not only casual cinema goers but even like sort of like, people here like really on the film or whatever else realised that no we don't want that because there's a thing that you're desensitised from day one of watching films and it's grading and cinematography and how they're framed and stuff like that that cinema has a cinematic look and that's the reason it looks that way and when you peel that back I think it looks too real life and it kind of I don't know, in a way. Well, it depends on the film. I don't think they've intentionally played it back. No, no, I know. It's just they haven't quite... See, film has a thing where where it is naturally... It's slightly... It it can be slightly out of focus, but at the same time, when you see these remasters, there just is a certain quality to it with the way blacks are treated and whites are treated. Jesus, I was wondering. I thought you were going to go really political there. (laughs) See the way blacks are treated? (laughs) But I think it's... What happens, it's the way that light... uh, the way the light is captured on a digital camera, you can just see the difference. Or the way mm. movements are captured. Yeah. Like, e- even if you're still shooting at 25 or 24 frames a second. Or 48. <laughs> uh, no, but if you're shooting at 25 or 24, 24 is film speed in America, 25 is here. Yeah. And like, you can go 30 for TV and that kind of stuff. But um, motion blur is a big one where you just go, oh, it's shot in digital. That's how you know. Like, I, I know you know you look at it, that's, that's digital. Yeah. And it's... It's it's to do with things like that that even if you are shooting at the same frame rate as say a, a piece of film shooting at shooting at twenty four, um, you've got a higher bit rate, which means you know your camera's operating at a higher, uh, what would you say, memory speed is capturing data at a higher rate, and it's capturing it, you know, at a more, um, a less compressed way, if you know what I mean, mm. and so sometimes it does put these things into it. That, that you didn't intend to happen and this kind of thing and so sp- speeds are you know essentially more data means more detail and more detail means that you, you have less motion blur in my opinion mm. and just for example I know well but that's what I was saying with bringing up the Hobbit and stuff is that the technology is advancing more than people know how to shoot it I mean that because like I have went on a big fucking rant about 3D on this before that I think 3D can work just people don't know how to shoot it. And people people try and make 3D films but shoot it the way you would shoot a standard film. And Peter Jackson was shooting that Hobbit film the, the way he would shoot regularly and not taking into consideration that it was a higher frame rate and what would you need to do to change that? Because like, the really heavy CG bits in that... I'm sure he was not shooting it with that in consideration because that's a massive, massive decision to make. He wouldn't have just done that. like. But, that, that, but like with the sets and all, like they... They didn't yeah. anticipate that. I mean, it seems that like there wasn't enough tests. But see, the problem is, I don't think it was necessarily, I think it was more that 
if you went to the cinema to see it with the glasses and all that and 3D and the high frame rate and, and the 2K one that's the version of film you know, did you see when it's done this thing now where it's still a high frame rate it's still a 3D film but you're watching it on a 2D TV I don't think that that thing was never taken into consideration he took took into consideration no but even seeing it in the cinema it would still look shy. like I went did to you see, see the 2K version with the glasses in the ring yeah I went to see the high frame rate versions in the cinema for all three of them with the glasses and 3D and all yeah and it's the same I know it was, it was a lot better though no but it, it's still like it's still in certain sections looked like a fucking soap opera that's that's the point yeah but that's what I was going to say the heavy CG elements when like the eagles are flying off at the end of the first one all oh, that looks amazing because it's all CG and then it is kind of there's no real life to kind of be exposed if you know what I mean yeah, yeah. and because it was a thing I heard ages ago. I don't know if it's actually happened with the Avatar sequels, but James Cameron was on about he was going to shoot them in a high, high frame rate, like 48 or 60 or something like that. I have no interest in James Cameron at all. But <laughs> anymore. I, I thought that would that would work better because most of Avatar is CG anyway. Hmm. And if you take something like the newest Jungle Book film, if you did that in a high frame rate kind of thing, because it's all CG. Mm. Well, no, it's the kids of CG. Anyway, but, <laughs> <laughs> it's the kids of CG, yeah. But, yeah, you know, something really. like an air where... Shut down Belfazzi, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> but something like an air where you literally have control of everything and there's no real sets to be dealing with or how things actually look on camera, mm. then that's when I think that stuff can work. And... And it's just knowing what you're shooting and actually taking into consideration rather than just, oh, it's the newest thing, let's do that. Mm. That's the way I felt with those. Yeah. But yeah, Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea how we got onto that from we Harrison We got onto that there. Oh, because Indiana like, Jones. Bring yeah. back Indiana Jones, and obviously brought back Han. He brought back Han, and then he's uh, he's going to be in the newest Blade Runner I film as well. I forgot about that. I. Yeah, three. He so he's brought back three of his yeah, own characters, and... Be honest, it's a fugitive sequel, aside from the <laughs> script and stuff like that, there of Crystal Skull, I enjoyed Hammond it a lot. Yeah, you know, I yeah, but he's never going to lose it. Like, I mean, that's obviously the main appeal of any Indiana Jones. It's just Harrison Ford's inherent charisma made that character. It's just Aye. down down. I mean, he's always going to be enjoyable, even Aye. if he's handed a big shit sandwich. A script, Aye, there, there was but like, it's just Aye. that you know, you kind of have to. <laughs> There's a very subtle, really funny moment when it's before he realizes the child whips his son's butter and uh. He's, he's what? what? <laughs> but uh, Harrison LaBeouf. Hi, never hocus pocus. But uh, what do you want? Uh, they're walking through this wee village in South America and stuff like that. There and all, and he's just oh, you met uh, who was it? You met fucking? Oh, it wasn't Pablo Escobar. It was <laughs> who the fuck did he meet? Pablo Escobar just rocks up German. No, nah, but it was it was like because you know what, the only time they refer to the fact is the whole joke about the, the TV series was that he met somebody like really famous every episode, like as in historically famous in every episode of TV series. Oh, so he meets like Sigmund Freud in an episode and stuff. Like, but was he, that the young Indiana Jones? Uh, he met no, but he met like ah oh, fuck, he was like a a sort of American kind of freedom fighter. Back in the day, not Che Guevara, somebody else. It was Wasn't like, that fucking, what do you call it? The, Jesus Christ, the Mexican freedom fighter, what do you call him? Uh, uh, continue thinking, it'll, it'll come to me. It'll come to me. Maybe Benjamin Bratt might have played him at one point. Oh, I think. But anyway, but it's just this, this small, subtle scene. He's just all, oh, we, oh, you met this guy or whatever? And he's just all, oh, I know, it was back when I was, I was fighting for the rebels and whatever. 
and we're fighting against it, whatever, and he just goes, and he spits really subtly, but it was just like a wee joke. <laughs> it's sort of, he doesn't like go like that, he just goes, and we're fighting against it, whatever. Like that there. <laughs> it's, just a wee thing. it's like, it's just, but I think it's the only joke that refers to the TV show. It sort of alludes mm. to the fact that, right, we're aware of the fact that he met somebody famous every time. Well, he was in the TV show, wasn't he? No, no, no. No, it not Casper Van Diem. No, but was he not playing an older indie? Like he was telling a story of his younger days or something like that. I don't think so. Was he? I think that was definitely was maybe he? it was just a pilot or something. But who was a pilot? Eh? But I'm pretty sure he was in as an older indie telling the story, and then it goes well, off to the. It's a sad story. Originally, it was meant to be. Originally, it was meant to be River Phoenix. They were going to tail off. From oh yeah, Last Crusade. Last he was going to be the lead in the TV show. Do you ever know that, Jen? Yes, you know, in the last crusade, you've got River Phoenix as young Andy. Mm-hmm. Originally, it was going to tail off that River Phoenix was the lead of the TV show. Uh, uh, he unfortunately died. Uh, per River. Per River. But, um, River. what was it then? Uh, blah, blah, blah. What were you talking about? It's just really fucking uh-huh. annoying me about that, Mick. Pancho Villa. Hi. That's a Pancho Villa. That's a Pancho Villa. Pancho Villa. Pancho Villa. Yes. I finally got there. Really fucking me yeah. off for a while. So he played him. Michael Crichton as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Michael Crichton. A lot of people say Crichton. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are wrong. That's not Crichton. <laughs> well, yeah, that's pronounced yeah, anyway. Uh, Michael Crichton. So, you know what the hammer voice said? It's tough no one as much. I know you can't remember everybody's name. Like, uh, you know what I mean? It's not easy I will as just... much as this. Like, <laughs> if it is a crown type shit. <laughs> but uh, anyway, go ahead. Like. <laughs> I know, just like Horace of Words, like, is it seems to be all he's doing just bring back older characters and yeah. like like Sylvester Sloan well, what Harrison Forgard did he want to get brought back that he hasn't brought back yet so Sabrina, Sabrina maybe <laughs> Sabrina <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you want Future to brought back no, or I would, Campbell no. oh but we all want to see fucking John Book again, like John Book. John Book has to make a oh, reappearance. Oh, wow. fucking right, actually. John Book. I like John Book. Right. <laughs> John Book. The next I. chapter. <laughs> yeah. Last half an hour in silence. Aye. That's uh, what I'm looking for. It's a murder scene, and there's no apparent witnesses, so call it witness and then colon or the lack thereof. <laughs> 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 so John Book has to actually is not concrete evidence this time. That's that's a new challenge. <laughs> Yes, they pretend to be black and all this one or something. I don't know. She wrote in that bit of dialogue now, too. It writes itself. like oh, You can right. see like the old fucking stereotypical angry police chief. Aye. Book storm around the office. Never Book! Aye. Or he's Book. just all, Book! Book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm storm around the office. Hey, hey, Beth Miller's a police chief. <laughs> 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 Hocus Bocus. Just uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> with a book when they made him <laughs> <laughs> witness to Hocus Pocus <laughs> Hocus Pocus big hmm. dirty dirty accent too don't even fit I <laughs> <laughs> said that brandy well <laughs> but I, I'm I'm really looking forward to fucking Blade Runner eh? uh-huh. Blade Runner 2046 that's only a 2046 2046 we'll see I'm directed skeptical. by your, your man Dennis Villeneuve yeah Villeneuve same thing. No, right. no, I know. Actually, about, I got you know the right one. <laughs> so for once, I get one there. It was actually. It was actually. Uh, I'll give you a watch. French interview was watching. He's all Villeneuve. I was just all. What? There is my nose because it's the fucking my new Formula One driver used to be Villeneuve. Same no, name. No, man. You can't mind if I drive a big Formula One fan. Yeah. I w- did we talk about this last <laughs> week? <laughs> I was no, because I was in the Formula One 
Formula One. <laughs> Formula One. <laughs> for for a time, because well, my dad always watched it, so then I ended up watching it, and because your dad will when I say no, but when when I was a kid, like in primary school, oh fuck, we're going way back, way back. <laughs> no, but no way. Like sometimes the. Well, I say sometimes in primary school, but like kind of all the time in primary school, they just give you like a bullshit thing to do. Like, oh, just draw something you like or something like that. Or, oh, we're going to do this thing, just but make it about something you like or something like that. Air. <laughs> you must it have was... been a fucking pretty cool primary school. <laughs> or a fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I won't finish that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> no, but anytime it was like, oh, you got to choose what the subject matter was going to be, and you had to make like a poster or fucking anything. It was always The Simpsons because I was obsessed with The Simpsons. Oh, I can and just so- picture a wee bamboo drawn over <laughs> as a three or four year old or whatever the fuck you were. Well, no, I'm on about me like primary five, primary six. Primary so. five, and they were still making you draw. You must have went to a romper school, did you? Uh, well, that's what I was. <laughs> that's what I was trying not to say. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant like P one or something. No, <laughs> that explains a lot. There's at least primary five. But um, no, but we they we had to do Homer sick. Like we have like fucking mad sketchboard Homer's head just. <laughs> but we had to do like a poster or something for the wall or some shit like air like everybody was going to put up a poster and it was like oh draw something you're in there or whatever and but the teacher came up there's all just don't do the Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> and I was all she's all just do anything other than the Simpsons. <laughs> Was she trying to just move you on or educate you? I think she was just fed up with the Simpsons. Yeah, nine-year-old too. Don't do the Simpsons, Mickey. You've done and so I, hours. but like I was sat there, it's like fuck. I don't think I, I like anything else. What else looks he like def- a light bulb? I know <laughs> a light bulb, a, a fish bulb. He definitely drew a Formula One character. I know that's what that's what I realized <laughs> then. I was like, oh fuck, actually, I sit and watch Formula One. My dad, I like Formula One. I like Michael Schumacher and stuff. So I drew Formula One cars in. Nice one. <laughs> So what suppose, the fuck was I all about then? Suppose that's the end. That's <laughs> yeah, I don't know where I it was going. Where did the Formula One thing come out anyway? I think you just brought it. Oh, oh no! Oh, the, that's I, Dennis Villeneuve. 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 So, is Villeneuve uh, pissed me out of pains? No, no. no. It's Sean France. Aye. Villeneuve is Sicario. Yes. And I see. I also get mixed up with Sean France and Villeneuve. It's because they're rank guys. Is it? Dallas Buyers Club. Very fucking French. Or is no? That's someone else as well. That's Sean France. Huh? No, but that's so not Sean France. But no, that's things. Dallas Buyers Club is the same director as Wild, and I which no, he's he's actually released someone else now recently. Dennis so. Villeneuve's Prisoners. Dennis Villeneuve's Prisoners. Prisoners, aye, aye yeah, yeah. Aye, pres- ah, this this is where we're getting. It's all fucking French. Names. I know. No. It's <laughs> Villeneuve, Sean France, and Jean Marc Vallée. Jean Marc Vallée. Jean Marc Vallée has also just released fucking no, but he's just what's the film he's got out now at the moment? Jake Gyllenhaal and Sandy's is fucking class. That was demolition. They released John Mark Valley. Hey, Jake Gyllenhaal. Have you ever seen Sandy's? Yeah, that's exactly the one that fucking put him out there. That's Villeneuve in there. Aye. Aye Villeneuve has one coming out, The Rival. Ah, yeah, but that's out now, isn't it? That's been released today. Apparently it's oh, is unbelievable. It? With Jeremy Renner, apparently it's excellent. No, I know, I heard Amy it. Adams. No? Uh, Amy Adams is on Jeremy Renner. Sean France is The Place Beyond the Pines and Blue Valentine. Aye. Aye. That's what he is. He's French. Fucking French. They're all coming out the same <laughs> crazy, time, crazy guys. I know the French. rival. It's like a crossover, like Lois Lane Hawkeye film. That sounds amazing. <laughs> sounds awesome. <laughs> the two most forgettable characters from this. <laughs> I like we Hawkeye. Leave him alone. But I think that uh, we've thoroughly discussed 
characters being brought back after a long absence between films. I mean, if you have three. We have three, one each. Mm. Yeah, that's enough. So, uh, yeah. shall we? Tron. That was a big gap. <sighs> Ooh. Ooh, I like that. Jeff, Jeff Bridge. Like Jeff yeah. Bridge. See, I I liked him in Tron Legacy, but overall, I didn't really like a film. I thought I, I thought was... it was all right, but I liked him because he was doing this kind of dude thing in Tron, which yeah, I kind of like. Never, he was never because he was never really the dude back in the day. Yeah, yeah. it was just that. Sorry, yeah. is that that thing where where he, like who is it? It's what do you call him? He put he's a fucking Demaradian on the road. No, what do you call him? Hmm? He's the son of it. Somewhere. Oh, the son in Tron oh, Legacy. Ah, yeah. uh, Kenny Mayne is name. Sam Hutchinson is there? No, 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 that's not. It's uh, the blonde fella. The blonde, the blonde fella. The blonde, the blonde fella. fella. What else, Sam? Uh, he's in on the road. He's in. I've never seen on Jeff the road. Bridges. No, that's not. <laughs> Garrett Headland. Garrett Headland. Uh, he's actually he's actually a decent Dean Moriarty in on the road film. Because yeah. uh, I, lo- I love the book and the film. I really hated the film, but it's been a long time since I read the book, and I think the general atmosphere the what they captured was decently. Like, um, it's that scene where I think uh, Gerard Helen's character is fucking trying to jump off something and he just, for some reason, he has this pack one where it just fucking turns on his wings and he's just flying down. You just see a dude just down there fucking well, far out. And <laughs> 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 I just, all, yes. oh, yes. But there's a bit on it like, he fucks off Jeff Bridges or something he's all, you're ruining my whole mellow thing, man. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> and then Michael, Michael Sheen's on it. Michael Sheen's in it, yeah. Uh, for like a brief period. I thought he was a bit yeah. underused and I thought there was, there was a bit more. Uh, aye, I think it's like literally like one scene. It's one scene. It's a club where he's just aye, a mad Way fucking Daft Punk. Daft Punk's in there. Anything with Michael Sheen though, and you don't, you, he's always going to be, he's just one of those actors. You he's just want to see more of him. He's just really fucking good. He's just good. good. Yeah. Really good. He plays Tony man. Blair in three films as well. Kate Beckinsale's his wife, man. I know. What? Fuck. In real life, yeah, no, really, In real life. life. <laughs> Fucking hell. No bottom. Because yeah, no. I know they were both in Underworld and stuff like that. I thought, I've never watched, I've watched the first Underworlds. I thought that fucking, they might have got married in that. Fucking hell. Uh, He's there for himself. Kate uh, Beckinsale no seems pin, like, a say. bit mental. She reckon? seems like, actually seems really don't dare. No, but she, she seems like really good crack, but like, like I seen her talking on like Graham Norton and she was, the one I seen recently. I, she was, That's when I realized that they were married because I didn't know that I know, I did, I, she, she goes on about him, but, uh, but anywhere she goes, she brings a horse costume, you know, like a horse costume, like two people have to be oh in it. God, she's a bit mad, I like it. Aye. Like, that's just a bit of crack. I know, that's what I'm saying. It you know, seems like she's really good crack, but. If you ever if you're, if you're, uh, share a baby with somebody, like not necessarily a micro scene, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, if you're a friend or something, whatever, have them crack it all. And then uh, she says, what she does is she she gets a chocolate. And <laughs> while the person's sleeping, just slicks it, slips it down between the ass crack. <laughs> <laughs> just lets it sit there. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa what there? So when they wake up. Yeah. They're not married anymore. They were married from 1995 to 2003. They've literally been divorced for 13 years. Well, they took oh. a picture with their daughter and them, so they're not Aye, well, married. They're, 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 still, they're, they're still close, just, Jesus still Christ. Sure oh, that's nice, close. then. That's nice. But I had no idea that... I'm actually more surprised that they were married even back then when Michael Sheen was nobody. Because I thought that it was like... Aye, when was Underworld, actually? They yeah. would have been divorced then, would they not? Well, t- the first, I don't know, 2003. But I thought to myself, right, that's an awful way to think. But Kate Beckinsale always been unbelievable looking. Great crack, whatever else. Michael Sheen only really got famous worldwide, say, in the past 10 years. So I thought almost one of them things, you know, he's in the public eye. They're spending a lot of time. How do you slip on back in 95, you wonder? You know what he's I mean? just a nice, charming guy. Exactly. Uh, um, 
you know. So who's she fucking? There's more to it than. Uh, There's more to it than looks. Than, than all that yes, Shan. Shan. Yeah, no. More to Don't it than judge a book by its yeah, cover. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what I've always said. You know what I mean? But it's, uh, at the same time, physical attraction is massively important. I love these fucking. People who say, oh no, you know, it's all but it's not all about personality. You also have to be physically <laughs> attracted by somebody. I don't give a fuck what you say. Like, there has to be some sort of physical attraction. But then, having a great personality is a huge thing. But I'm, Jen... I'm 16 and a half stone. I'm literally beating girls off me. Like, <laughs> that, that, it shouldn't. We're bad. Higher, you can be hefty and still very beautiful. Yeah. Don't know about that. But, Chan, you, you can fuck someone's mind as well. Do you know who she got married the after? Do you know who she got married the after <laughs> Michael Sheen? Certainly can. Do you know who she got married the after Michael Sheen? And this is going to annoy you. Very much annoy you. Oh, Len Wiseman. Uh, Len Wiseman? Len Wiseman, oh, yes. Director of... directed Underworld. Die Hard 4.0. And the Total Recall remake. So there you go. We've went from being delighted for Michael Sheen to being disgusted because you know what? That there is just a proper order redeeming itself. Some <laughs> good looking fucking... Is Liz Simple. Oh, he's, he's a good looking chap. Right. Some good looking mindless wanker has bagged Kate Beckinsale. But I got wanker. good news. <laughs> She'd have worse him last year. Yes! <laughs> 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 oh, she, must, she must be back with Sheen then. That's but what it is. She's back with Sheen. I mean, that's what it is. She's back with Sheen. <laughs> she's my bad that side, isn't it? Fucking Lem le- was coming. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm not even going to. Go on, go on, go, go. Go in the rabbit hole, go on. Lem was complaining about the the wooden table being about dusty. She was on my way out to get some sheen. Oh, Jesus Christ. I like it. I like it. And I'm taking my daughter with me. Walking out with her daughter, a fucking horse costume. Wait, wait. (laughs) Daughter's all in for the horse costume. (laughs) Wait, for some Mr. Sheen. Michael bitten about the human airplane. That's careful. Oh yes. Oh, God. <laughs> oh yes. Oh, God. Okay, so I think that's a thorough analysis about characters coming back and Kate Beckinsale's marriage. <laughs> yeah. Basically, our whole relationship history in general. So yeah. just just the two marriages. But, uh, there you go. Just the two marriages uh, for now. So far, we'll leave, could be a third in a card. We'll leave Kate alone. We we love Kate. <laughs> we love. Kate. Very surprised. Though still only because she's been on the scene for a long time. Still only forty three. Exceptionally young. Exceptionally gorgeous. Jesus, that's a great looking forty three. Only forty three. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. Holy shit. That that film she did re- recently though, it's supposed to be really funny and really good. It's like it's like a period like film. But it's supposed to be like a really good comedy. Really funny and really good. <laughs> you wouldn't think you've been doing a good a film podcast for every year. Our vocabularies haven't expanded yeah. whatsoever. Yeah, really like, funny I, I'm, and really Adam good. Adam when he says and then it's crunchy, and then and then there's no, cr- and then it's like soft. <laughs> so, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Do you know what that reminded me of? It was uh, Scruff, who uh, Ryan McGarrigle, <laughs> Ryan McGarrigle, who's obviously our composer and stuff uh, like that. Give me a left home one day, and we were chatting about the weekend, and he was, oh man, fuck, you should see this game I'm playing at the. He's all, you should see this game I'm playing at the. I've been playing it with my sister, and it's really good for mine and stuff like that. And I was all, what's it called? He's all, it's called Articulate, right? But you have to come up with all these like words that you wouldn't usually kind of come up with, and it's kind of like Scrabble, but it's a wee bit more refined, and you have to pronounce the words and all this here sort of stuff. And I was like, "All oh, right, sweet man, what's it like?" He's all, "It's really ah, uh, it's really ah, uh, that's really good." I right? <laughs> <laughs> obviously that game was long. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we'll go on to recommendations. Go on. My recommendation 
is a wee is it's a wee double bill. Oh. It's okay. a it's a wee it's a wee <laughs> land double bill. A land double bill. It's a wee land time Jesse Eisenberg double bill Ooh. of zombie and adventure. Bang. <laughs> I think I recommended adventure land before today. I don't give a fuck. I, I recommended <laughs> recommend love... zombie land before, bro. <laughs> I'll run this bitch. I we're getting so many episodes deep now. We're starting to forget what recommendations are. <gasps> but uh, oh yeah, no, because I because. I realized he made Zombieland and Adventureland. The same year? The same year? Yeah. This thing was when he was going through his land. Not Will they not release like a month apart? I don't know. It's the same year. Something know. like that shit. Something like that shit. But yeah. yeah, they're both really great films. Zombieland's a great comedy. I thoroughly enjoy it. It's actually Zombieland. I went into it not really knowing much about it. I, I knew it was a zombie film, obviously. But I didn't actually know... Because no way you would go into a film now you kind of know the basic premise and what where the story's going to go. I didn't know anything about it mm. other than it was just like a zombie comedy. A zombie? A zombie. A rom-zom-com. Or a oh, combi. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then Adventureland, it's it's also a comedy, but then it goes way more down the indie kind of drama route. We, and then Ryan Reynolds pops up for some reason. See, I like Zombieland. <laughs> I actually fucking, I would say almost love Adventureland. Really? really you really into it? I think it's a really good film. Mate. His first film with Christian Stewart, they've now done yeah. three together. Including, obviously, Cafe Society, which I talked about last week. Yeah, and then uh, American Ultra. That's shite. I haven't That's actually really watched it. That's shite. Is it I, that shite? What do you, was what do you really call him? Max Landis is the writer of uh, American Ultra. I, I don't even know. I watched it and it was one of those films. I wouldn't say I was really looking forward to it, but when I seen it, I was like, oh, Jesus, this is really... I could understand why the reviews were so bad for it. Mm. Just really pretty thought it. Because it was a good initial idea, not like a fucking amazing idea or nothing like that, but something that wasn't really done in a long time well. But anyway, continue on my recommendation. No, yeah, it's just... I think it was I was through it there. Just two great films and bang them together because they're both Jesse Eisenberg. They both have land in the title and they both came out in the same year. I was trying to go for a trilogy, but he's done no other films with land on it. Serious <laughs> <laughs> this whole IMDb because I thought he he made it on like what did you call that religious one he did? I thought that might have been like Prayer Land or something. Prayer land? <laughs> no idea. I'm going to shit on the my recommendation, Michael. More quick. My recommendation is Thief, uh, directed by Michael Mann, 1981. It's a massive favorite of as well, but he's currently in the toilet taking a push. I'm trying to keep it sharp. James Cann, he plays the titular Thief. He is uh, basically enlisted by this sort of crime family or crime syndicate in, I'm nearly sure it's LA, I haven't seen it in a while, to steal all these kind of very precious diamonds. But then, after he's done that, they try and make him do more jobs, but he wants to back out, but they don't let him back out because he wants to move to the suburbs with his uh, new wife and adopted child. And it's fucking amazing. I mean, like, it's it's the first time I think where you see man kind of define his style. And it was a huge, huge, huge fucking influence on... Drive, and we'll talk about The Driver by Walter Huller a few weeks back or a few months ago, but I would say that this is almost an even bigger influence. Looks incredible. Again, it's got those shots that man has of, of, of like nighttime and how he kind of shoots night and how meticulous he is in his detail, the heists that are pulled off and Thief. I think I was kind of unseen at the time, but uh, it, it, it just it really, really works, and it's a massive, massive influence on, I would say, any kind of modern crime thriller. And you can almost see the, the wee, yeah, you can see the wee fingerprints on there as well, in Thief that kind of then developed and the much larger kind of more epic things in Heat, but that's no, great. And as well, Ken, he's usually just kind of known for his sort of tough guy roles, 
plays the standard tough guy role, but on top of that too, he's got some crackingly emotional scenes. I mean, I'd say probably the best scene in the film is the same where he's on the diner with his girlfriend, I think her Tuesday name's Tuesday Well Day. It's him just kind of revealing, like being brought up in orphanages and revealing how he's always felt like a loser and stuff like that. And it's one of the few times in any sort of James Cann performance that you see about a rawness or a bit of emotion come out. And it's kind of heartbreaking at the end when you see all this emotion come out and he's finally give himself to somebody yeah. and he's finally revealed himself. At the end, then he kind of has to go completely against that. Uh, not to spoil anything and kind of fob her off in a way because of this crime syndicate trying to make him do song that he doesn't want to do but it's brilliant and the but soundtrack I get Tangerine Dream soundtrack mm. you also know Sorcerer it's fucking amazing mm. and you know it's all very chic now at the moment because of Drive they have these very synthy and sort of almost mournful scores over like crime films or basically chase scenes and stuff again well it was like Thief that sort of started that in a way or just the day they still but I think Thief's one of the main temples of that <coughs> stuff but we'll say about that copy scene though um it's like a lot of people would say it was a forerunner to Neil Macaulay's character, but they are they are very very different. Um, two things. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I think you've I think you've got the because I've been coughing all day and you're sneezing a lot. And my nose is starting to feel blocked. I think we're both getting the cold at the same time because mm. Danny had the cold the other night and we tried to avoid him and we were right beside him. I do not need that cold at the moment. Mm. But anyway, continue. Um, the, the difference is that uh, we're. Character Neil Macaulay, Neil Macaulay's precision of, of what he does comes of saying, "I'm never fucking going back to prison." You know, like you know how how well timed, like sorry, the, the the regimented things he learned in prison about time and about everything's on a clock, he used later and his and his heists as a way of not having to go back to prison. Mm-hmm. Whereas the difference between him and Can is that. James Can has that collage, and that and because he was institutionalized at such a young age, I think it's it's one of the most interesting things about him. I mean, it can just seem like a, uh, this is an easy way to get mound what's on on his head, but it's a well researched point as well. A lot of prisoners had these collages of everything that they want when they oh, get out of prison. But even that, that man seems to kind of reuse stuff anyway because that photo in the college of what he wants his life to be is then again used in collateral for Jamie Foxx with it's, that photo it's, it's different though that's pretty fucking somewhere because well, it's the same director like it's a character who's got literally a postcard sized picture that he keeps in his car and he looks at of the uh, life that he wants to have it's pretty similar yeah, well, well I suppose so but I, I suppose uh, but it is used for different reasons but the, the main thing about that collage is that it shows life and death you know he's got all the skulls and it's the potential of, of it to go bad He's got Willie Nelson's character Oakley in it. He's got a house and a wife, and he's got, and a lot of things are cut out of magazines in his college, and but the thing, the thing with his college particularly is that when he talks to Tuesday Weld, he just says he kind of admits that they're both lost characters, yeah. and he doesn't want a wife in the, in the sense that he doesn't want a wife and child in a house in the sense that oh, it'll be nice to have that someday. You know, if I loved somebody. I would have a child, whatever. He yeah. wants it because he thinks, in a way, that was taken away from him. And so to achieve these things, you know, in, in whatever terms it takes. This is where I think he's probably the most interesting Michael Mann character. is Because Neil McCauley just, uh, Edie comes to him by accident. Whereas Ken actually seeks it out. And more so than Jimmy Fox yeah. as well. Uh, whatever you call him um, in the film. But 
Ken's character like forcefully seeks it out. He says there in that scene, he says, so, so we're sitting here and we're doing this, and he says, so what about this big fucking romance? You know, he says it in that kind of matter-of-fact yeah. sort of term. I think why he's probably most, the most interesting character as well is because he, he is watching all. Fair enough, you see Neil Macaulay, but you know Neil Macaulay as a criminal. But in Heat, he's always presenting sort of heroic terms, whereas when you see James Ken, <laughs> you know, some of the language he uses, which isn't quite fucking PC and how he kind of speaks to people. And basically, his general attitude towards some people as well and how violent and how off the fucking rails he can get, especially in the adoption office and stuff he got there kind of shows that I is a bad person yeah. he's a bad person but you're sort of having the root for him because he is the anti-hero of this film but you can see that he's maybe destined to always love alone especially mm. after the animal whole thing with Tuesday World but no I think, <coughs> I think it's a great film we could sit here and talk all night but obviously it's recommendation so we're just trying to fucking blast through yeah. recommendation bitches recommendation bitches let me recommend Terminator boom <laughs> stuck out on last night how did that go that's right then yeah, no, I'm with Jones Claus. I kind of there's some, something weird happens after the club scene with Linda Hamilton, where Michael Bean or Kyle Reese, Terminator and Sarah Connor are in the the club scene, and you know she thinks the cops are coming for her, but then Arnie comes through the fucking crowd and he's going to mm-hmm. shoot her. I know there's like a sort of a shootout or something that happens after, there, but. After that, then Arnie just seems to be covered in makeup. He's got like his his head just seems really fucking weird. Everything and his his hair seems or his hair seems like a wig. So it's it's just this. Weird, it actually makes it sort of scarier. <laughs> <laughs> but you you just notice that it sticks out like a sore thumb, and see, I wonder why that happened. But see, I I I know Terminator two way better than the first Terminator. First I think one's it, definitely better. I think I've seen the first one maybe like once or twice. Like first one's amazing. Yeah. Because I fucking love T two. Uh, T two is just classic. I mean, and I think I think uh, with T two, it sort of probably caught up with uh, the what do you call it, the technology and stuff and on. It actually it, it does look great in T two, but T two is way more of an action film where Terminator's more. There's a lot of action in T one though too. Because I always heard that's more. It's of, more of a thriller. Like. Aye, more of a thriller kind of because you're being chased down by this thing. Like. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Uh, I, th- I think it's it, it shows its age because they do the you know the Benny Hill thing of fucking speeding shit up and all and this kind of stuff and mm. that is a wee bit annoying at times you know you, there are certain films that just about get away with yeah and in, in the first Terminator they, they, like, a lot of times they don't sometimes they really do get away with it and sometimes they just whoever's doing the stunt driving it just looks that good that it's just it's that rugged coming around that bend yeah I think the problem is if you see enough shakes in the car, you'll believe whatever speed. If you know what I mean. Mm. See, the thing is, like, I always think like shakes off the car, the chassis of the car is going back and forth, and you speed that up, you know it's slow. But if if it's going fast around it anyway, and there's a little shake, then you can probably speed that up a wee bit because it's just a bit smoother. But it's just that's the one thing I think dates the film a wee bit. But everything else, and I, even I still like the robotic head number. People always say about that. But the robotic head when he's pulling out the eye, you know, it looks actually it's just fucking terrifying looking. It's crazy as well about Terminator, and again, maybe it's a personal thing. But see, when I was growing up, my man used to be fucking really into horror films, so I used to like fucking. I shouldn't be watching them, but she let me watch a lot of horror. She like Salem's Lot, Exorcist, all like the sort of classic horrors or whatever, Pet Cemetery, and all that sort of crack. But uh, the thing I remember that scared me the most on the films that she let me watch now fair enough she never let me watch like fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre but it was mm. the it's the exoskeleton 
always scared the fuck out of me. I don't know, it's just... I think it's because it's so cold and fucking ruthless and I don't know, but maybe mm. I could understand like Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers because they were in sort of human form, but I don't know, I always remember being really freaked out by this endoskeleton or was it an exo or endoskeleton? I can't remember. Endo probably. Endoskeleton. Exo would be exterior. Yeah, exterior. Uh, endoskeleton, sorry. I always remember being freaked out as fuck with it, but hey, I don't know, it's always had a lasting impact on me. No, I'd say watch Terminator. I mean, it's amazing action, really well told. Actually, a lot more told. A lot. Uh, you said in this a... podcast you don't give a fuck about Jimmy Cameron. I still don't give a fuck about him now. <laughs> yeah. You know, his first five or six films were fucking unreal. Even Titanic, I would still watch. I think it's a great film. But um, I just doesn't give a fuck these days. Like, but but you see when. When he's made, actually, I'm not going to go on that <laughs> because we're yeah, supposed to be trying to wrap up. I'll be next week. So. <laughs> no, but I term, Terminator. I think a lot of people go for Terminator too because it's cleaner and Arnie's good in it. I don't. Oh. People, a lot of people don't like the idea of Arnie being a baddie. I think. Yeah. Well, I, no. Let's literally for me, like, that's the one we had in the house. Like I watched because it was it wasn't called it was Terminator Judgment Day that was on the the Vigia case, and so. <laughs> When when we I watched that film maybe like ten times and then I found out what there's a Terminator one what like, <laughs> there's a film before this like I seen that f- film when I was fucking a kid like before I was drawing about yeah. Formula One and killing you mean like fucking Blu-ray the first Terminator it's fucking unreal I need to watch it I need because because really Terminator Two is is honestly one of those films that I can I've seen it so many times and just watching it and even just the sounds just brings me back to being a kid and it just it takes me to a certain place and i know it so well and it's just ingrained in my head that it, it's kind of always annoyed me that i don't know the first terminator that well like. we've discussed it before in this podcast and then just obviously we assume we know our people that are the same age as us but terminator 2 i think seems to be the film that not only everybody has seen but loved from our certain generation if you're born like the late 80s early 90s i think it's you can't more iconic it's a thing I was watching the first time, you know, there's things like, like, Ronan and Colin love the Kate Reese coach from the first one and all, mm. and that's grand. But I think, there, honestly, there's a lot to be said for costume department, like, there really is. Especially Arnie's gear, and the, because in the first one, it's deliberately kind of thrown together, and it's a bit more realistic, in fairness. And that's fine. And it's that, it's well, that well, sort of fucking overcoat that he's got on, that grey sort of overcoat on this. I suppose that leather jacket. It's no, it's, it's not grey. It's, it's actually it's like it's like an army green, but it has all these studs in the back of it, like a triangle. It just look. I remember seeing it. Well, that's fucking mad looking. You know what it is? And then you kind of it has a chain hanging over, like from from like the shoulder round to the other side of shoulder from the underarm, yeah. and it's just fucking mad looking. But that's kind of makes it more terrifying because it's just really there's no care taken for that, like you mm. know. And that's what makes you think oh, this is thing. Just you know, he just needs to cover himself, and that's it. But um. And the second one, you know, obviously the people that he mugs or whatever <coughs> have like some, some trend of gear, like definitely. But uh, that's what makes it. You know, you've got the black, because the black sunglasses in the first one are massive, and the second one they're smaller. You know, they're mm. more filmic looking, and then he's got the three piece black and all that there and all, and that mixed with a shotgun and stuff and all the John Wayne shotgun that he flicks and all the. There's a lot more consideration. I think that's when he realized right on he's a fucking star. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's sort of what happened. Badass, like, you know. 
Well, all right then. <laughs> okay, we'll wrap it up there, folks. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to get in contact with us, you know, let us know if you think Arnold Schwarzenegger will be a star. <laughs> <laughs> or let us let us know your favorite big gap character gap things in films because we character definitely character gap things because <laughs> you know what I'm on about. We just talked about it for about an hour, but you know we we obviously didn't cover all of them. Let us let us know what you think. Bye. You can find us on Facebook, Let's Talk More Movies Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Talk More Movies, or you can email us Let's Talk More Movies at gmail.com you can also leave us comments, reviews on iTunes, Acast, whatever podcast service you like. And Calm Heron's about to down a bottle of sangria. Woot woot. I don't want to bottle when I take a sangria. <laughs> <laughs> I have been your host, Michael Breslin. Shanko has been Shanko. Hey, yeah. Calm Heron has been Calm Heron. And he's down on sangria. Episode 72, 72, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Heron, I feel me and you being overcome with a cold, so we're just going to have a drink through it. Just take blood through it. Just I know, the, the alcohol kills the germs. Yeah. That's the thing in it. It's, it's tried and tested. I've done it every time I've had the cold for at least yeah. the past seven years. Does was, it work? If I, was Clinton, yeah. if I was Clinton unforgiven, I'd be looking for any excuse to drink. <laughs> so, uh, you know. <coughs> oh, God, do not. Don't cough on me, Mike, mate. I'm starting to get this now. I, I, it's weird as well that throughout this podcast, slowly because I came here feeling fine, and slowly but surely... I've detected the symptoms as it's went on. I felt the tickly throat at the start. Now I'm starting to cough. I felt a bit blocked up. Now my nose is starting to run. You just brought up that you you, you should come because anytime you come, you feel fine for about five minutes. <laughs> just wank my fucking brains out. <laughs> <laughs> just wank yourself through it. <laughs> I don't think that's a cold. I think that's AIDS. Yeah, to be honest, AIDS. Yeah. Oh, AIDS. Man. See if you're giving me AIDS in this fucking tent. Shouldn't have that rusty needle, man. I want to have fucking words. Speaking of AIDS, how's that sangria? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. So uh, there's a uh, nice little uh, hack. Uh, uh, does anybody have a fucking cigarette? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.